0: I don't feel blue. As I
1: have got you breakfast with Marcus Paul. Call Marcus now 131269.
2: And welcome to Wednesday. It is January 13, 2021. Great right to have your company, Marcus Paul in the morning. Let me know what's on your mind. There's plenty of news around this program all about the news and your views, more importantly. And there are plenty of ways for you to interact with the program. 131269, the open line. If you'd like to send us a text, 0458049209. And of course, you can always message me as well directly into the studio. MP in the morning at two smsupernetworkcom com, and hashtag Marcus Paul in the morning to follow us on social media. Gorgeous morning around a lot of our listening area so far. In fact, the next couple of days, we're expecting some settled weather. Quite mild this morning, just gorgeous. I walked through the city. I got the train into work this morning. Something I haven't done for a while. Considering we're starting a little later, I thought I'd get the train in. Why not? And walked across Darling Harbour, and it was just beautiful. Really warm and mild and quiet. Not many people around couple of early joggers, but good on them. Making me feel guilty as hell. Okay, welcome to Wednesday, 13 12 69, my telephone number. Okay, so COVID-19 still dominating the news. I see Queensland have three new cases which ultimately will affect uh, their freedoms, quote unquote. Uh, A lost lockdown is what many uh, are calling it this morning, but we'll see what happens, what Anastasia Palaszczuk does. But Queensland, three new infections, Victoria again, a donut day yesterday, which is good, very good. And in New South Wales, well, the news isn't brilliant. I saw the premier yesterday, Basically, turn around and say it's unlikely that virus restrictions in New South Wales will ease this week. And by the way, in New South Wales, just back to the weather briefly. Uh, we've got some uh, total fire bans in place in some areas of regional New South Wales, Victoria, and southeast Queensland. We'll have a look and find out exactly what regions they are. Scruff um, total fire bans this morning and extreme. Fire dangers because of warm weather. Anyway, back to COVID. New South Wales recorded five new locally acquired cases of COVID 19. Eleven cases were also recorded in return travellers, bringing the total number of COVID 19 cases in New South Wales to 4,845 since the start of the pandemic. Now, there were 14,700 odd tests compared with the previous day's total of 18 and a half thousand. So essentially the Premier came out yesterday saying, come on, we need to up the ante on testing in New South Wales. Of the five locally acquired cases, one was linked to the Barala cluster and is a close contact of a previously reported case. There are now 27 cases associated with Barala or Barala. Two cases from the Northern Beaches are household contacts of each other. The source of their infections, though, continues to be investigated. And New South Wales Health is treating, at the moment, 118 COVID-19 cases in hospital, one of whom is in intensive care. But most cases, 98% of people who have COVID-19 in New South Wales right now are being treated in non-acute out of hospital care, so that's good, including return travellers in the special health accommodation. So they're in quarantine. All right, if you wanna have your say, 13 12 69, the telephone number. Well, I said that the Premier reckons it's unlikely, that's in New South Wales. Gladys Berejiklian says it's unlikely that virus restrictions will ease in New South Wales this week. She's given an honest answer about when she thinks that's freedoms, quote unquote, uh, may become more available to Sydney siders in particular. So restrictions to stop the spread of COVID-19 in New South Wales will likely remain until authorities finish. That's what we're told. The Premier said there were no changes to restrictions foreshadowed at the moment, and that any rule modifications would be subject to New South Wales Health finding out how mystery cases were spreading across the state. Uh, When she was asked if there was any chance of restrictions being eased this week, the Premier answered, look, I'll be honest, that depends on the health advice, but it is unlikely given where we're at because we're still mopping up. We are still in New South Wales seeing community transmission, even though in most instances it's in household contacts or people already in isolation. But we've had a couple of examples where they're still unlinked, and that is a concern for health authorities. Current restrictions in New South Wales say, everyone in Greater Sydney, which holds the majority of the state's population, must wear a mask in public indoor spaces. And I have to say, uh, bearing in mind that I'm getting the train to work at the moment and doing uh, a little bit of walking through the city and seeing a lot of people out and about in the shopping centres, and major retail areas, 99.9% of people I see are masking up. There are also limits on how many people can gather at home and in public, and caps on visitors to bars and other hospitality venues, along with other rules designed to curb the spread of the virus. So there we go. State virus experts scrambled yesterday to connect the dots between several ongoing community transmissions. And for New South Wales... That is the concern. That is the concern. Now, the five new cases, all in Sydney in the last 24 hours, include four where authorities still can't explain how the people were infected. Two of those were in Western Sydney in Mount Druitt, and the other two on the northern beaches. The fifth case was linked to a cluster in Western Sydney at Borrella, as I mentioned earlier. Anyway, we'll keep you updated as we always do here at the Super Radio Network on COVID-19. Marcus Paul in the morning. New government data reveals 103 reportable assaults occur in our country's nursing homes each and every week. Now that's something to scream about.
3: I took her to this particular home on a Thursday. On the Friday I went up and had lunch with her and then I got a phone call at 4 pm in the afternoon to say she's in an ambulance going to the hospital. So I shot up to the hospital and waited for the ambulance to bring her in. She was covered in bruises, her wrists had been, have got bruises and her ankles, obviously they've restrained her. What that darling went
4: through, she was sexually assaulted. Two wrists were broken, oh there was numerous bruises. It was a
2: dreadful thing. Until we have somebody in government with enough balls to turn this ship around, then unfortunately we're going to see horrific statistics like we've seen today.
1: Marcus Paul in the morning.
2: All right, great to have you company. 18 minutes after six. Give me a call, 13 12 69. ladies good morning, mate. Good morning, Marcus. How are you today? All right, thank you, buddy. What's on your mind?
5: Yeah, you know,
2: ringing up. We've got a report
5: that two people in Mount Druitt had the COVID nineteen. That's right, two and, people. Yep. Well, yeah, well, that's not right. Because uh, one of them come back yesterday negative.
2: All right. But well, the information we, I've we got. Know, he- well, the information yeah. I've got here. Uh, let me have a look here again. Uh, the Mount Druitt case and the Northern Beaches cases. Uh, there's no link established, but, uh, well, they say... Let me just go through it again. The four cases where authorities still can't explain how the people were infected, two of those were in Western Sydney's Mount Druitt, the other two on the northern beaches.
5: Yes. Well, as I said, we know
2: one of them, and he's had four tests done. Three of them come back... Where are you getting this information from? Straight off the person who's supposed to have had it. Straight off the person. His doctor. Okay. All right.
6: He's
2: Dr yesterday. Yeah. That uh,
7: it was
6: negative.
2: Well, okay. Who is the person? His name's Tony. All right. Uh, well, maybe Tony can give us a call because, uh, according to the official health documents we have here, uh, look, I don't know. I, look, I'm not saying I don't believe you. Of course not. But I've yeah, got to. Right. I've got to run yeah. off uh, the official health documents because yes. I like to be responsible with what I put to wear. But look, by all accounts, let's hope that is true. I'm sure it is, Les. Can uh, I if, if say one more thing? Yeah. Yeah. I was reading on the Facebook. Uh, my wife
5: was reading on Facebook. Three gorillas in America got COVID-19 off a human being.
2: Yes, I saw something on the news <laughs> yesterday about that. Uh, gorillas. <laughs> uh, look, it's. Yeah. I think the science isn't settled on that. Although gorillas oh, right. yeah. and uh, and you know primates, <laughs> they are the closest yeah. thing to us. Yep. I mean, sure, there are uh, you yeah. know, it yeah, could well be true. Let's let's see what yeah. happens with that. I mean, gorillas, and apes and chimpanzees are the closest relatives of the human species. I mean, look at Donald Trump; he's an ape. Thirteen twelve sixty nine Here's the telephone number. Just on that. Uh, good morning to Mick. I got an email from Mick MP in the morning at two sm Marcus, your total dismissal of anything positive regarding Trump and conspiracy theories and rudeness to callers who support him really shows your ignorance. If you're talking about what happened yesterday, which you obviously are, Mick, in relation to Roscoe who called, and um, I don't really care what you think, Mick, to be honest. Mick goes on to say, so perhaps you can explain this. One of the rioters at Capitol Hill was John Sullivan, one of the leaders of Antifa and BLM, who are sworn enemies of everything Trump stands for, blah, 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 blah. Um, he says, basically, that I wanted to call you, but I didn't fancy getting cut off mid-sentence. Well, Mick, I probably would have let you had at least a sentence, maybe two if you were lucky. But at the end of the day, um, look... I want to talk about issues that are relatable, and I'm sorry, uh, but all this stuff that seems to be going on in the United States of America, although, yes, we'll talk about it from time to time, I, to be honest, I've had a gutful of it. I've had enough. I mean, there's far more important things we need to concern ourselves with here in Australia. And Donald Trump and what's happening with the American presidency at the moment, I think, is way down on the list. I mean yesterday, I'll give you a good example, yesterday we, you know, we had one caller, who I, I got rid of pretty quickly, one caller on a conspiracy theory, and then probably more than a hundred callers on the aged care stats that I gave you yesterday. Just goes to show I'm, I'm trying to do a, a, a program that appeals to the majority of people, not a small tin hat wearing minority. So uh, that's where I'll leave that. But thank you, uh, Mick. Uh, look, I know that uh, others will talk about it, and that's fine, and that's great. It all has its place. But this is a breakfast program, and, and when we do the Laws show in the morning, I think uh, it's incumbent upon me, and probably more responsible of me, to, to cover issues that concern the vast majority of our listeners. And all the stuff going on with Trump and the United States, really is, as I said, at the bottom of the list. Uh, I mean, I bet also the Aussie Trump fans don't even know who their local member is. We're in Australia, not thousands of kilometres away. Yeah, Marcus Paul in the morning. Deborah Harry. I want that man. 26 minutes after six. We'll go to the news in just a moment at 6.30. New South Wales Daylight Saving Time, of course. Now, I've got a note here from the Rural Fire Service. And with hot gusty conditions across most of southeast Australia today, there will be a total fire ban in place for the Southern Riverina, uh, with very high fire dangers in place, hot and windy conditions forecast across large areas of New South Wales. Uh, don't forget to review and discuss your fire plan and report any unattended fires immediately to triple zero. Give us a call. Let us know what's on your mind this morning, 13 12 69. I've got some emails uh, that are coming through, which I'll get to right after the news next. Well, here we are. It is Wednesday, January 13. Give me a call. Let me know what's on your mind, 13 12 69. Some emails coming through. I'll get to those right after this. 13 12 69, though, to have you say. MP in the morning at 2SM super And if you uh, are a little... Uh, tight on time, you can always send a text message to us. Uh, that new text number for the program is up and running, 0458-049-209, OK? 24 minutes away from 7 o'clock. All right, we got 15
8: minutes to clear out the White House before Biden moves in. Take anything that's not nailed down. Mm, this copper will fetch a pretty penny at the Chinese market. Mr. President, um, the used car dealer. Yeah, you have a car for sale? Right. The presidential limo? She's a sweet ride. $1,500? Make it $1,200. That's called the art of the deal. Biden's on his way. All right, everybody up! <laughs> I've left a surprise for little old Joe. Some smart, very smart, stable genius booby traps.
1: It's been an honor serving you, sir.
8: I'm the best thing that ever happened to you, baby. I still need to leave my presidential goodbye letter. I wrote it in stinking ink. <laughs> right! Booby trap! <laughs> hey! I paid for four! <laughs> I gotta get out of here! <laughs> I hope you like purple nurples, Pieden. Ow! 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 It's me, you idiot. Well, at least that was the last one. Hello? Anyone home? (laughs) Help! I'm trapped in a bucket.
2: I've been there. Help! Ah, they're very, very good. That's spitting image. I'll play a few of those uh, over the coming weeks. Spitting image. Uh, apparently there are a couple Australian guys uh, that are doing some great work in the United States. Bit of comedy. They've also featured ScoMo and uh, the New Zealand Prime Minister, Jacinda Ardern. We've got plenty of videos available, which will uh, play back uh, very, very good. And uh, I shared that one <laughs> of uh, outgoing President Trump leaving his stink ink letter for Joe Biden in the White House. You can have a look at it on our social media hashtag MarcusPaulInTheMorning. They're very, very well done. (music) Look, uh, I mentioned yesterday that we should be outraged by these statistics, but it seems perhaps that no one in government seems to care. Yesterday we told you about shocking new government data that reveals 103 reportable assaults every week in aged care, with 4,034 cases of physical and sexual assaults notified to the Aged Care Quality and Safety Commission between January and September last year. Yesterday, we were told some horrific stories of elder abuse from a number of callers and lots of emails and texts. This one came from Sue Hood. Marcus, thank you for making your program available for people to say how they feel and what is happening to loved ones in aged care homes. This is definitely a Pandora's box ready to explode if only someone would listen. It will not matter which government is running the country when the Royal Commission findings are handed down. Aged care providers need to be made accountable. Providers are too top heavy. And the residents in the home suffer due to a lack of properly trained cared staff. Care staff should be trained for a good 12 months before being allowed near an aged care facility. As for food, well, in some cases, you wouldn't feed your dog half the stuff that's being served up. Dementia residents don't know what they're eating. That is the response of some homes. Anyone that has someone in a home, please frequently visit them. Check what they are having for meals, what stimulation is given to them and how clean they are. All right, Sue, that's a wonderful email, and I've got more, more emails on aged care that we'll get to throughout the course of the program today. Well, Labor led councils that are still scathing over the, you know, the $252 million pork barrelling, the community grants funds, or as I dubbed it last year on this program, the New South Wales. Uh, coalition government's community fraud. I mean, that's what they were, really. It was just pork barrelling en masse. Anyway, Labor-led councils furious over missing out on the quarter of a billion dollars in the state government's council funding scandal are set to mount a legal challenge after engaging a top legal heavyweight. It's being reported today that these councils that are still furious have engaged top legal heavyweight lawyer, Brett Walker, SC. Inner West and City of Canterbury, Bankstown councils expect to receive detailed legal advice later this month from the top shelf, Silk, who represented acquitted Cardinal George Pell and headed up the inquiry into the Ruby Princess debacle. Now, his brief will inform their next decision on whether to take on the state government over the lack of funding they receive from the $252 million government grants program in which coalition seats received 95% of funded projects. Now, a Canterbury-Bankstown council spokesman confirmed the two authorities would split the cost of engaging Mr Walker, which is likely to run into tens of thousands of dollars. Now, the top-notch silk is believed to command as much as $25,000 to $30,000 a day. Not bad. <laughs> now, driving their challenge is Inner West Council's belief it missed out on $24 million in funding from the scheme, while Canterbury-Bankstown claims it should have received up to $40 million. Inner West Mayor Darcy Byrne said Deputy Premier John Barillaro's decision to testify at a hearing into the pork-barrelling saga in February, and we can't wait for that to happen, it will fuel their legal legal challenge. Now, the Deputy Premier is being forced to give evidence about the slush fund to Parliament in February. With multiple government agencies, including the Auditor-General, now investigating this dodgy scheme, we will likely have a mountain of evidence. That's directly from uh, the Inner West Council's Darcy Byrne. In a mayoral minute moved at a meeting last year, Canterbury Bankstown's Carl Asfor said a legal challenge would lay down a marker for the future. He said, and I quote, whilst a legal challenge will not result in the refund of any money spent to date or an order requiring the government to pay money to council, what is perhaps of greater importance is that a successful challenge would require the government to reconsider its appropriation and spending practices in future and thereby avoid this injustice ever happening again. Well, we'll follow that with great interest. OK, 17 minutes away from seven. Give me a call. Away from six, of course, in Queensland. 13 12 69 is the telephone number. Uh, now, for my listeners up on the north coast, the Health Services Union has today called on Lismore City Council to reconsider a decision to cancel its free all-day parking scheme for staff and visitors to Lismore Base Hospital. <laughs> boy, oh boy. You know one of my pet hates is parking fees at hospitals. We shouldn't be paying for any parking at hospitals. They're not car parks. They're hospitals. We paid for them already. It's double dipping again. More money in your pocket because of bureaucrats and politicians. Now, the cancellation of the popular successful scheme is slated for the next Monday, that's January 18 after it was introduced in April of last year as a goodwill measure during the COVID pandemic. Now, the Health Services Union says the decision is a big, ugly roadblock to providing a speedy COVID testing service in a regional hospital, which has already seen patients waiting up to four hours outside clinics. So in other words, if you're waiting outside a clinic, not just for a COVID-19 test, but if you're stuck at Lismore Base Hospital, For any amount of time from next Monday, you'll have to pay for the privilege. It's a bloody joke, isn't it? Absolutely. They're flabbergasted that Lismore City Council would crab walk away from its clever decision to offer free street parking during the COVID-19 pandemic. This decision just punishes local residents who do the right thing and visit the hospital for vital COVID tests. So the government needs to pay attention to this sort of stuff. It really does. The government wants people to get a COVID test. We heard the Premier and and also the health officials yesterday saying, Come on, Sydney Siders, get out en masse and get tested. Well, if you're having to pay for parking in some areas while you're getting tested, how many people do you think are going to go? It's just ridiculous. All right, the HSU, that's the union, have contacted the council seeking to discuss a further extension of the free parking scheme until Australia is declared COVID-free. And look, just forget about people who are visiting the hospital. What about the frontline workers, for goodness sake? Staff who are working harder than ever during COVID-19 should not be treated like cash cows by a council or by any government, whether it's local, state or federal. I mean, s- staff members are being slugged an average $480 a year extra for parking. It's ridiculous. As I say, and I've always said, hospitals are hospitals. They're not car parks or revenue raises for state or local governments.
1: Breakfast with Marcus Paul has Australia talking Marcus Paul, if you don't know who that is good, it would be very strange if you knew every prawn on earth by
9: name but he's the breakfast host of 2SM and also escapee from District 9 Marcus Paul,
1: almost a public figure Marcus Paul in the morning Call
2: Marcus now thirteen twelve sixty nine. Okay, ten minutes to seven. Uh, we've got a call in to Darcy Byrne. By the way, we we're hoping to speak to Darcy from the Inner West Council in relation to their engagement of a top Sydney silk in order to try and get the message across that we, as taxpayers of New South Wales and those councils that missed out on the uh, two hundred and fifty two million dollars council grant scheme. Uh, well, they basically don't want it to happen in the future. Anyway, uh, i got some news on John Barillaro as well. Old Braz has done a 180, a backflip. I'd almost give him a 10 for it on the Brumby situation. We talked about it yesterday with Peter Cochran and also the Invasive Species CEO. Uh, I've got some details on uh, what John Barillaro, the uh, Deputy Premier of New South Wales, is now saying about that issue soon. <laughs> Nine to seven. Um, All right, Uh, Gerard Hayes is from the Health Services Union. He's been listening to my uh, comments this morning on parking fees at hospitals, and he's called through. Gerard, good morning to you. Good morning, Marcus. How are you? Happy New Year, by the way. Yeah, Happy New Year to you and your listeners as well. Thank you. Um, I applauded this decision last year by Lismore Council to allow free car parking around lismore Base hospital to allow testing. Yesterday we heard the Premier and others uh, call for more and more Sydney siders and New South Wales folk to get out and get tested. But if you're having to pay for the privilege of doing that by filling local government coffers, well, people won't do it, will they?
10: No, that, it's going it to make it so much harder. We've we've worked incredibly well throughout the, uh, 2021 in, t- in dealing with the pandemic. We're now at the point where we can sort of see light at the end of the tunnel and putting any kind of roadblocks in the way is just absolutely ridiculous. The uh, Lisbon Council have done the right thing right throughout 2021 in terms of parking and now we're at the, the, the uh, final area, hopefully, yeah. uh, and they're putting roadblocks up.
2: Well, they are. And look, I was um, hoping that their um, wonderful gesture was copied and shared by a number of councils and hospitals around New South Wales. Was that the case in any way, shape or form? Did others do something similar? or?
10: Absolutely. There, there's okay. some fantastic councils um, who have really got on board and sort of seen the level of problem that there is with the pandemic. Bankstown Council is one of them. Yep. Uh, that They've really stood up and sort of cared for their community, cared for the health workers. Uh, now, it's just short-sighted at this point in time, particularly, as you well pointed out, uh, vaccines aren't too far away we want people to be able to get to health facilities to be able to have those vaccines and you know, these sorts of limitations are just very silly.
2: Well absolutely and the concern is that other councils will see now that well Lismore Council are going to pull the rug out from you know uh, local constituents feet and make them and not only just uh, you know the locals that are attending the hospital it's also the staff I mean the I mentioned that staff members are slugged an average of just shy of $500 a year to park at work. I mean, it's ridiculous.
10: That is exactly right. Now, we've seen this year all health workers have had... You know, barely any increase at all. I've I've indicated some of the cleaners in hospitals effectively got uh, 20 cups of coffee. That was a wage increase this year, uh, last year, given that the pandemic was there. But you're right. Uh, It can be 2% of their wage in parking. And then if there is limited parking, uh, they can be fined for parking on the street. So it's a a double whammy on top of a whammy.
2: No good. We'll stay in touch with you as always, Gerard. Thank you for your time and thanks for tuning in this morning and giving us a call. It's a really important issue. We'll keep on it.
10: Thanks very much, Marcus. All the best to you and your listeners. Thank
2: you. Thank you, mate. There he is from the Health Services Union, Gerard Hayes, on the program. He could be a sinner,
11: Arch gentleman. He could be a preacher when your soul is down. He could be a lawyer on a witness stand. But I'll never love you like I can, can. He could be a stranger. You gave a second glance It could be your trophy Of a one night stand It could have your humor But I don't understand Cause I'll never love you like I can, can, can Why are you looking down on the wrong world When mine is the heart and the soul to the stars. encounter of circumstance, maybe he's a mantra, keeps your mind in trance, he could be the silence, in this mayhem, but then again, i will never love you like I can, 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 Yourself seeking an honest man. You stop deceiving, don't think.
2: All right, welcome back to the program. It is a Wednesday, January 13th. Great to have you, company. Give me a call. Let me know what's on your mind. At number 131269. And of course, the email MP in the morning at 2SM Super uh, Another John says, good morning, Marcus. Great to have Marcus Paul in the morning back. Even the <laughs> psyllium husks taste better. What the hell are they? Uh, Dear Gladys has asked the other state premiers for compassion and dignity in regards to border closures. Compassion and dignity, says John, please. Gladys, why don't you say that to your mate in Canberra, PM Morrison, so he can show compassion and dignity in regards to the loved, much loved, Owheeler family still locked up for three years on Christmas Island. And how much? (laughs) You're right, John. Millions and millions of dollars, millions of dollars spent housing and confining one family on Christmas Island. Great economic managers, hey? Give me a call, 13 12 69, the telephone number. Now, Mark from Clay Islands. Mark, Mark, Mark. How are you, mate? You well? Marcus? What do you think about what the acting Prime Minister Michael McCormick said yesterday by refusing to apologize for saying, you know, stuff that he said about Donald Trump, etc.? Um oh, really. Anyway, Marx says I think that he was totally right in not apologizing, as what he said was correct. He seems like a bloke with some ticker and is what this country needs. Okay, (laughs) well I've got a guest coming on very soon who'll probably disagree with that, and that's Julian Hill MP. Julian will join us on the program in a couple of moments, but just in relation to Michael McCormick, the acting prime minister. Now, when it comes to empathy and compassion, I don't know whether this bloke has much of it. Yesterday, he told unemployed Australians to turn off Netflix and head Bush So in other words, turn off your television. I'm putting everybody, you know, in the one basket. Turn off your TV. I don't know why he's had a crack at Netflix, but anyway. Uh, And he wants people to head bush for work. The Regional Australia Institute has identified 50,000 unfilled jobs in regional Australia as a drop in temporary foreign workers due to COVID-19 saw more than $38 million worth of fruit and vegetables rotting on Australian farms. Now, Mr McCormick has told unemployed Australians to go bush to fill the void, but shrugged off suggestions it was uh, insulting to call the unemployed lounge lizards. So he told the Today program, apparently yesterday, I don't watch that rubbish, but anyway, he said to the Today program, I say to those people who perhaps have done reasonably well off job seeker, who may have earned more than they could have dreamt of, I mean, that's <laughs> condescending from the outset. Did he really say that? For goodness sake. I say to those people who perhaps have done reasonably well off job seeker who may have earned more than they could have dreamt of it is perhaps to turn off stan and netflix and come to the regions where you can have a better life look i understand the sentiment of wanting getting uh, wanting to get people to head to regions but this bloke is the acting prime minister of australia <laughs> and he's just turned around and told the million plus unemployed due to COVID 19 through no fault of their own, who are now struggling, of course, because the Labour, uh, you know, Albo and his mates, the Labour inspired programme of Job Keeper or Job Seeker as well, has been stripped back, as we know. I'm hearing from plenty of organisations that people are now starting to flood hotlines saying, I've got no money left. How am I going to feed my kids? And they can't work because the government shut everything down. And so here we have this brain fart of a politician, the Deputy Prime Minister, Michael McCormick, acting Prime Minister, while ScoMo's God knows where, telling unemployed Australians to get off their asses and head bush. How are they going to do that, Michael? Where are they going to live? What are they going to live off? What are the incentives that the federal government has put in place for people to go bush? For God's sake. Is this bloke for real? So, Mark from Maclay Island, there you go. I think I've just disproved your point. Rather than worrying about whether or not Twitter or any other social media giant is so-called blocking free speech, as you call it, or you know blocking Donald Trump etc the issues that you should be concerned about are how people are going to get back to work how are you going to get them out into regional australia what incentives are on offer rather than just saying turn off stan and netflix well i agree with what others have said it is a suggestion that is insulting to unemployed australians by inferring that they're simply lounge lizards doing nothing People can't automatically just pull up shop and head bush for God's sake, particularly when you're not offering enough incentive anyway. What are they going to do? Use the measly amount of money you're providing on job keeper or job seeker and just uproot their families, uproot their lives and head out somewhere west for a seasonal job? Goodness sake living in La La land. Can you believe this Julian Hill MP hello mate
12: G'day, mate how are you
2: All right I mean seriously Michael McCormick.
12: <laughs> oh, it's the last few days have been astounding it's it's embarrassing it's occasionally amusing but it's actually pretty serious stuff. He's been acting Prime Minister for less than a week and yesterday he's running around the country telling, conservatives indeed telling australians that facts don't matter that it's okay to lie now in effect that truth's negotiable it's like that trump world nonsense that we have facts and then we have alternative facts but i mean you know i know and your listeners know it's not okay to lie that's what we teach our children facts do matter that underpin science and our public health response to covid and facts are not contentious as the saying goes You're entitled to your own opinion, but you're not entitled to your own facts. But in Michael McCormack world now, something that's clearly false is apparently true, or vice versa. But it is actually serious stuff. This is no ordinary time. We've seen the consequences of the descent to this madness. Last week in the US Capitol, the violent insurrection, I couldn't believe the scenes I was seeing in this bastion of democracy, our greatest ally and partner descending into this madness. And. Mm -hmm. You know, Michael McCormack needs to grow up and actually call out this rubbish from George Christensen and Craig Kelly and they're like, Facts do matter, truth does matter.
2: Well have to have
12: these Yeah.
2: All right, so putting uh, US politics aside for now, uh, because, look, I'm going to be honest with you, Julian, I think the vast majority of people listening to you and I at the moment are more concerned about things like job Keeper, job JobSeeker, and the fact that an acting Prime Minister has the hide and the audacity to tell basically unemployed Australians, and a lot of people are unemployed through no fault of their own because of COVID-19, What's he offered as a solution to their dilemma as the government's strip back job-seeker? Well, just go Bush. You know, turn off Netflix and Stan and head Bush. That's where the job is. I mean, it might be seasonal work, but off you go. This bloke's in la-la land, isn't he?
12: Uh, he's playing to prejudice and stereotype. I mean, I represent an electorate in, in Melbourne with a high unemployment rate for a range of reasons. Um, people are desperate for work. The vast majority of people I meet and I see who are on JobKeeper or seeker, just surviving, they're desperate to work. They apply for dozens of jobs a week and they can't get them. And sure, in any group of humans, there's a few lazy folk at the bottom, but well, you can't course. pass the majority with that kind of stereotype. It's offensive.
2: Well, I think so. It's degrading. And uh, the inference is that people who... A lot of them, as we point out, through no fault of their own, find themselves on JobKeeper during this pandemic. I mean, to refer to them literally as lounge lizards who do nothing all day but binge on Netflix, I mean, that's just ridiculous.
12: So It is ridiculous, and the government's got to take some responsibility. What you have just said before is spot on. A lot of these jobs unfilled in regional Australia, they're critical work. There's a crisis, no doubt, in many sectors, but it's seasonal work. It's simply not realistic to expect a single mother with a couple of kids who's unemployed to somehow up from the Melbourne suburbs to drive 2,000 kilometres to somewhere where she doesn't have a house, she's got 500 bucks in the bank if she's lucky, and somehow go fruit picking for four months, because she's a lounge lizard. It's just ridiculous and offensive.
2: I agree. Absolutely. All right, mate. Um, Look, I spoke to Albo uh, the other day. Uh, The boss reckons you're all uh, getting set for perhaps an election year. What's your feelings on this?
12: Uh, well, you know, we'll be ready for an election whenever it's called, whether it's later this year or uh, the year after. We've used our time under Elbow's leadership uh, well. We've got policies developed, ready to start rolling out. We've already put big ideas out there on childcare, on rewiring the nation, shift to renewable energy and cheaper, cleaner power, bringing manufacturing back on shore. Yeah. Um. So we'll con- we'll get in the contest of ideas and. We'll be competitive whenever an election's called. But right now, our job is, quite rightly, to hold the government to account for its failings. Endless announcements, but not delivering. And, you know, the vaccine's a good example. Um, Scott Morrison's running around telling us we're leading the world and we're at the front of the queue and we've got enough vaccines three times over. This stuff's just not true. We're way behind. And there's two continents in the world right now where you can't get a vaccine. That's Australia and Antarctica. Um, They really need to focus on governing and lift their game.
2: (laughs) Uh, You're right. Uh, I mean, I almost fell over when he said we were at, uh, you know, the forefront in the fight against COVID-19. Look, credit where it's due, obviously, we have done very well so far as numbers are concerned. But um, I agree we need to get this vaccine rolled out as soon as possible. And if it's available, then why the hell isn't it here? If the Prime Minister claims that we're at the, you know, the top of the pack. Quite clearly, we're not.
12: Well, Albo called for it to start earlier. Remember a few weeks ago and the Prime Minister was running around saying we were foolish and dangerous? Well, a couple of days later, he started uh, saying, oh, we need to roll it out earlier. I mean, you can't believe anything this bloke says. It's all spin and marketing. But it's serious stuff. There's quarantine workers, health workers, nurses, doctors. They deserve the most urgent, quickest access we can safely get to a vaccine. And we're behind the rest of the world at the moment. The Prime Minister's covering up his own failure to plan and organise with this nonsense marketing spin. So they really need to focus on what matters and actually behave like a government. Julian,
2: I look forward to our chats uh, during 2021. Uh, Happy New Year to you, mate. We'll catch up again next week.
12: No worries. Same to you, mate. Take Take care. care.
2: Bye-bye. There he is, Julian Hill, MP. Alrighty, give me a call, 13 12 69, if you'd like to have your say. I, I see the calls are already coming in on Michael McCormick. Uh, I'll take a break. When we come back, we'll speak to you, Jerry, Daryl, Dennis, Chris, and anybody else who'd like to have their say. My number, 13 12 69, 18 minutes after seven, New South Wales Daylight Saving Time. That's, of course, uh, a Broken Hill taking your scruff. Not quite sure. I think maybe Broken Hill is still with us at this point. Anyway, you're half an hour behind as well.
1: Marcus Paul
2: in the morning. New government data reveals 103 reportable assaults occur in our country's nursing homes each and every week. Now that's something to scream about.
3: I took her to this particular home on a Thursday. On the Friday I went up and had lunch with her and then I got a phone call at 4pm in the afternoon to say she's in an ambulance going to the hospital. So I shot up to the hospital and waited for the ambulance to bring her in. She was covered in bruises, her wrists had been, have got bruises and her ankles, obviously they've restrained her. What that darling
4: went through, she was sexually assaulted. Two wrists were broken, oh there was numerous bruises.
2: It was a dreadful thing. Until we have somebody in government with enough balls to turn this ship around, then unfortunately we're going to see horrific statistics like we've seen today.
1: Marcus Paul in the morning.
2: Twenty-three and a half minutes after seven after six in Queensland. Navy divers have located the black box belonging to the plane that crashed into the Java Sea over the weekend. As we know, the Boeing Seven Three Seven Five Hundred had left Jakarta Airport and not long after it went down, sadly, with 62 people on board. It's hoped the info will help authorities determine what caused the plane's nosedive. More Navy divers from Indonesia are hoping to locate the cockpit voice recorder as well very soon, with its beacon being emitted in a similar area to the black box. Yeah, they need to get to the bottom of that, as the aviation industry's had it very tough during the pandemic. The last thing that Boeing or anybody needs is a problem with its 737-500 aircraft. All right, let's go back to your calls now this morning on... uh, 13-12-69. Thirteen twelve sixty nine. Jerry, good morning. How are you, Jerry?
13: Yeah, yeah. Good morning, Marcus, and thanks for thanks very much for taking my call and Pleasure. Justin as well. All I've got to say, mate, I, I'd like to support, you know, and you've got a great program there, and and you do you do call it as it is. But look, mate, I, I drove heavy vehicles for 30-odd years. I've seen the farming aspect of it. Yep. And, and that Michael McCormick, mate, I, 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 I've i got to put it to you in this perspective, mate, that you need, and I know you probably will, you probably won't come when you're on your program because you're scared of the dark, mate, so... Uh, you need to get him on your program and ask him a few questions, mate. But I, I, I can say this again. There used to be a politician here in, uh, in the Labor government. I think it was many years ago. and His name was Wal Murray. Do you remember him? Yes, I do, yep. Well, I, I, if you if you look back, some of the statements that he used to make, and I can put it to you, being a, a heavy vehicle operator for many years, I own a driver, and I can, put, I can tell you this, and I think it's 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 pretty much documented that he used to he, he came out with a statement many years ago that he reckons you can drive you can put your left foot on the accelerator so you can give your right one a rest night.
2: <laughs> well, there you go. Makes about as much sense as we heard from Michael McCormick. Uh, look, no doubt he'll have his fans. Look, he's appealing to, I think, uh, populist opinion and unfortunately in this country there is a quite popular opinion that people who are on job seeker and job keeper are bludgers, And I I don't think that's correct, particularly during the time of COVID nineteen. Daryl, good morning. Hi Marcus. How are you, Daryl?
7: Good mate, yeah. That Julian stole a lot of my thunder <laughs> but anyway, he's he's a lot smarter than me. But what he said is right, like this McCormack, right, he's not the sharpest Still in the shed, I don't think. But some of the things he said is just divisive. It's straight out of Trump's playbook. He's just a goose. I'm an employer and I firmly believe, like you have said, like he said, we're a rich country and sure, there's some people on JobSeeker might be bludgers but that would be a very, very small percentage. And if you've got to carry a few people to support people that really need it, say you should be, you know, so it's, it's like if you've got 20 employees, you're probably carrying one or two, you know, it's the same principle.
2: Well and, that's right yeah. and what we need to do essentially is keep money stimulating through our economy, now if people can't earn it because of a pandemic COVID-19 uh, well then there'll be less money circulating in our economy, at least if you're giving, if you if you like, uh, for want of a better term if you're handing out or giving people a bit of a, a hand up with the payments, uh, whether it's job keeper or job seeker, you know you can be confident that most of that money, if not all of it, will go back into the economy. It'll be recirculated to create jobs, uh, make sure that people can stay and work in other sectors. Anyway, but well said, Daryl. Appreciate it, John. Good morning to you, mate.
6: Same to you, uh, Marcus, and happy new year to you. You're back. Uh, Thank you, mate. Uh, Uh, talking about McCormack, Mm. Uh, why would people want to go to the bush? I've just had an experience with hospital at the bush when they haven't got proper hospital facilities and proper education and everything else. Secondly, the unemployment factor just hasn't arisen in the last 12 months is a succession of stupid decisions and imbecilical decisions of governments over a period of time. Now, the majority of people that we're, we're... speaking about are people in in the uh, cafe and restaurant industries. Now if we reliant on that for our bu- for our turnover and our budget for the country, we're history. And we've got to get back to manufacturing. We won't be able to get back to manufacturing because all the rest of the world has got coal fired power stations smelting steel and you need coal fired power stations to do it. I could tell you what we used to make and where they were and everything else. I could rattle it off for an hour yeah. or more. And you will not do it without we've got Coal-fired power stations and, and, and machinery manufacturers and everything else making coffee. Tell me someone that's got an export business exporting coffee and sandwiches and steak and eggs and everything else. It doesn't exist. No, but manu-
2: look, but still, though, John, uh, with respect, they do play a, a minor part in, in keeping people employed and taking the economy over while. Uh, but uh, look, you're right. You're right. The big money, the big bickies, what is going to grow our gross domestic product isn't in coffee sales. It is in manufacturing. And that's why it's important that manufacturing gets uh, reconnected, started up again here in Australia, and we get people back to making things like we used to. Chris, good morning. How are you?
9: Good day, mate. How you going? Good to hear you back. Thanks, Chris. Mate, what I want to just quickly talk about. Yep. AstraZeneca, Pfizer, Moderna. The silver bullet, they're spending $23 million to try and sell what they're basically selling as a turkey to the people.
2: Well, that's but your opinion. That's no, your... no,
9: it's not my opinion. Well, whose Yesterday, opinion is there was it? a story in the Telegraph, and the Telegraph was telling people that they need to get out there, get the vaccine for herd immunity. What's the story in today's paper? not going to get herd immunity from AstraZeneca. You're probably not going to get it from the other two drugs either.
2: Yeah, but when still, people, when are they going
9: to start uh, telling us the
2: truth? Well, what do you mean if they're going to start telling us the truth? Is this a well, they conspiracy? They need to
9: the medical professionals. This is not a not a policies that should be created by governments. Shouldn't be directed by uh, media.
2: All right, but governments tell us that they're acting on medical advice, uh, so I'll 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 buy that for now. Uh, I don't want to get into a vaccine debate. I really don't. Just take the jab for God's sake when it arrives. <laughs>
1: From 2021 2SM has Sydney talking. Marcus Paul in the morning.
2: Morning to you, Albo,
1: How are you feeling? The
14: head-on uh, collision with a, uh, a, a Range Rover on the wrong side of the road. I was uh, just very, very lucky to survive the the, the accident. The, my car is uh, an absolute write-off. I just received magnificent support from but the, the police, of course, arrived very quickly. Uh, and then
15: uh, the paramedics were terrific.
1: In 2021, 2SM has Sydney talking. Don't
2: put your mask over the glasses. Well, i got my mask here. All right, I've got, I'm going to put it on. It's a little difficult with headphones. Hang on there. So the mask is going on. <laughs> I can't see a thing. When here. you put your glasses on, tuck them underneath it. Oh, I see. All right, good tip.
1: 2SM has Sydney talking.
2: OK, let's go back to a couple of callers. By the way, Greg Warren, member for Campbelltown, I'll chat to him in a couple of moments. He's the shadow minister for local government. Just in relation to this story this morning, that legal action is now pending by a number of councils who missed out on the council's grants scheme, the $252 million pork-barrelled into LNP seats ahead of the last state election. All right. Are you there, Greg? I am. Can you hear me? Got you, Greg. Loud and clear, mate. What's on your Thank mind? You, yeah, No,
16: I'm, I'm just ringing up. I'm an old gypsy travelling around Australia, oh, New South Wales. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I'm just saying that how great your radio station and all your other colleagues, you you know, that get on the radio and discuss things. And I think you hand, all of you handled yourself very well, and I didn't realise how much... Uh, agony or pain Or whatever is going on in those nursing homes I think that's absolute And why doesn't the damn bloody skews the French government Get their act together And stop that Because the, I think you're right I think you said something about They've got to be trained for 12 months Before they even come
2: anywhere near a, a patient Yeah that such. was a good email from a caller earlier Yeah thank you mate Thank you Greg, appreciate it Dennis, hello are you there? Dennis are you with us? Yeah mate, how you going? morning, Dennis. Happy New Year to you, my friend. Are you well? Hey, mate, mate.
16: Um, apologies for not... I've had a pretty rough time the last three and a half months with health and everything. You all right? I've been in and out of hospital eight times in the last eight weeks. Goodness me. What's up, uh, Just, I've, I've got a fair idea of what's going on in, in the hospitals, let me tell you. Mm-hmm. Three days in bloody the ICU and whatever. Mate, what do you do if you get Jim
2: Carey and Donald Trump and clone them? <laughs> what would you get...
16: <laughs> Morrison me. and Anderson.
2: Uh, okay, yes. I'm not
16: kidding you, mate. These blokes, Marcus, I'll go on air now. I've never voted Labour in my life, and I'm going to campaign for them. These two are the greatest liars on uh, in this bloody. As, as you said, the, the money that's going to be thrown around. You know, it's just unbelievable, but it's not going in the right direction. It's going in for what do they want their own pockets so they can keep their job.
2: All right. Well, look, a lot of people feel that way. I, would, yeah, I just like better uh, accountability of, of public funds, and that's what uh, we try and, and outline on this program. I don't want to make it too personal, but look, it's hard not to when Michael McCormick comes out yesterday and basically throws a, a, you know, a big blanket over people who are doing it tough because of COVID-19. It's all right for the Deputy President. PM or acting Prime Minister. He's got a big fat check arriving each and every month from the government, from us, taxpayers, and yet he's telling people to head bush. It's not as easy as that, Michael. I understand the sentiment behind it, but it's not as easy as that. Mate, I employed one of these people over the
16: casual part of it, right, eh? You there? Yeah, mate, listening. Right. When he lost his job, so to speak, there were 60 people working there. He's now got his job back. You know how many's working there now? Tell me. 22. Yeah, it's tough. Because it gave everybody a chance to retrench, and nobody's no, got the, the no, sorry, are scared to expand anymore because of fear of what this deliver. If you're a Labor sort of whatever, you, you can't get bloody help because you want to go the other way. Well, He rang me true. the other day, and he yeah. said, Dennis, he said, I'm lucky I've got my job back because they understood he was a good worker. Mm. his wife is a nurse, she's working two jobs. It's tough. It really is, and a lot of people right. and, and, are and working two thing. jobs. Like it, it, Everybody's got to combine and, and help one another and whatever. Yes, there are a lot of people out there that didn't want to work that are getting the, let's call it the, the, the money. Yeah. They were asked to go to work. I said, I oh, know why would we go to work when we're getting paid anyway? But the jobs aren't there anymore. Never mind. If, and yes the thing with the cafes and everything Michael, uh, sorry um, they, Marcus. Marcus they rely on people going and buying the coffee and the
2: sandwiches but if they haven't got a job,
16: they can't go and buy the coffee and the sandwiches
2: Well that's right, uh, look it's a small part of uh, you know, the economy but it's a vital part uh, you know the, the, the hospitality industry has been bleeding jobs, absolutely it has and the goalposts keep getting shifted around, as we know, with in regional areas in particular, uh, with COVID-19. Every second day, we've got new rules in place, wearing face masks, social distancing. I mean, that's going to be with us for a while. Uh, but, you know, the border closures are a whole uh, entire other issue when it comes to hospitality and tourism operators. And of course, we, we can, uh, apart from those office workers and and people who are lucky enough to be at work at the moment grabbing a coffee or a sandwich during the day. But what about all the regional areas that have relied over the Christmas, New Year period on, you know, people travelling? Tourists during the school holidays. It's been very tough, really has. OK, thank you, mate. Appreciate it. It's Marcus Paul in the morning. (laughs) All right, German police have arrested an Australian man who allegedly operated the world's largest illegal online marketplace. Yeah, over 320,000 transactions worth an incredible $221 million were made through Dark Market before its closure last Monday. The site, though, used stolen or fake credit cards also involved itself in um, illegal drug sales, counterfeit cash, and malware, among other items. Now, the 34-year-old man was arrested as part of an investigation by German investigators, the FBI, and Europol. So there we go. It's a big win for police in shutting down the dark market. OK, Marcus Paul in the morning, give me a call, 13 12 69, the telephone number if you would like to have your say. Uh, here we go. Some emails coming through now. Um, well, Propaganda Radio is back, says Tony Bennett. Regarding my chat with Julian Hill, this bloke can't be serious. They wanna be in government, God help us. The TGA, Therapeutic Goods Administration, is the governing body to determine the release of any pharmaceutical medication or vaccine. Do you really think Albo is the PM in waiting? Regards, Tony. Well, it's not up to me. I think anybody would be better than Promo. I'll take (laughs) Albo over Promo any day, to be honest. Um, I would like my Prime Minister to actually have a heart uh sue says g'day marcus what planets is michael mccormick on for god's sake tell him to pack up and move to the bush or country town and try getting a job picking fruits or farming all right and dennis regarding the billowela family it's a disgrace marcus the way this family have been treated it's also a disgrace to the taxpayer the amount of money wasted spent on their seclusion for no reason, other than this government's stubbornness to show that they are tough on refugees, simply because there may be an election on the horizon. It's a different story when it came to Peter Dutton and the au pair business and his mate. Regards, Dennis. Well, yes, Peter Dutton. Don't get me started. I don't want a headache. I am sick of
1: GB. Just sick of ABC oh, trying to lecture me
2: I'm just sick of SBS and all the Murdoch press is such a bloody mess So who the hell is Marcus Paul? What a bloody gall us anybody call They call him up on 13 12 And he lets them say what they're thinking just call
1: 13 12,
2: now. All right, welcome back. It's 12 minutes away from eight o'clock. Uh, don't forget to download and follow our podcasts. Go to 2smsupernetwork.com and click on my page. You'll see a link to download our podcasts, including now on Spotify full show podcasts, and uh, and also some other bits and pieces that we put up there from time to time. Okay, 13 12 69, the telephone number. Well, the makers of Coon Cheese have bowed to public pressure and finally changed the name of the long-standing brand. I don't know about public pressure, but anyway, there was some pressure brought to bear, I guess. But from July... The family favourite product, Coon Cheese, will now appear on supermarket shelves as, are you ready for it, Cheer Cheese. Cheer. Not Coon, but Cheer. <laughs> Cheerabarabran. We'll have to change the name of that New South Wales town. Coonabarabran to Cheerabarabran. Well, what do you think? Cheers to that, or is it simply too Cheesy. Jess Glynn, Marcus Paul in the morning, Chris is on the open line, 13-12-69. G'day, Chris.
17: Uh, g'day, Marcus. How are you, mate? Cheers.
2: What do you make uh, of it? Cheers, yeah,
17: cheese. Look, I just want to know if Edward William Coon, the guy that invented the, the cheese, if yeah. he's got to change his name.
2: Edward William Cheers. Doesn't That's have the same ring, I, I
17: don't think he'd be changing his name. Well, he hey, can't, um, isn't
2: he dead anyway?
17: I don't, I wouldn't have a clue, but he'd have he have family. Yeah, but
2: he would have... Yeah, absolutely. um... I, um yes? Did you
17: know... This is a did you know... That Japan is going to build its satellites out of wood? Satellites out of wood? Yep, true as. Well,
2: that's very clever.
17: Yeah, and it looks like it's turpentine, and I don't know, it might be an export for Australia because we've got beautiful turpentine.
2: Yeah, look... If anybody could do it, the Chinese could. Oh, they've already tested it. Well, there you go. They're pretty bright.
17: That's so as they can burn up in the atmosphere with no no residue left over.
2: That's right, and no nasty things plummeting back to earth at some stage.
17: Yeah, look it up on the net sometime.
2: <laughs> All right, mate. I will. Thank you for that. Cheers, See you, Chris. Man. See you, mate. Yeah, look. I don't know. Um, toasted. Cheers on toast. <laughs> uh, anyway. Does it really matter? It's a little like this story. A female-only pool in Sydney's eastern suburbs has banned trans women from attending unless they've had sex change surgery. News Corp reports MacGyver's ladies' baths has been exclusively used by women and children since 1992. The pool leased by Ramwick City Council has an exemption under the Anti-Discrimination Act not to include men, uh, but they're also not going to include trans women unless they've had their (laughs) removed. Is that right? Is that how that all works? Uh, I don't want to make light of it, but really, this is a story, is it? Anyway, well, I suppose um, for trans people, they'd be interested, but Uh, I was surprised, actually. I didn't realise. I didn't realise that there was a ladies-only pool baths, if you like, exclusively used by women and children on Sydney's eastern suburbs. I didn't realise that. Uh, I don't really care, but Anyway, it might be of interest to somebody out there. 131269, the telephone number, if you'd like to have you say. Not quite the pool, but it is water. Sydney sailors are splashing their overseas holiday savings on new boats and taking to the harbour in an armada of inexperienced skippers, worrying maritime safety guardians. In the past eight months... More than 52% of more more boat licences have been issued in New South Wales and 26% more private vessels registered than in the same period last year. The water is apparently also awash (laughs) with novice jet ski riders with more than twice as many new personal watercraft licences issued in October 2020 last year than October the year before. Look, the problem is... What they're suggesting is a lot of people who normally would fly to Paris have decided that they're going to be nautical and, you know, hop out on a little boat that they bought. Problem is they're not experienced. Just be a little careful. Make sure you study up, learn the maritime laws and take it nice and safely out there. Make the harbour and the waterways safe for everybody. News next, 8 o'clock.
1: Marcus, Paul in the morning.
2: Police officers claim they are being forced out of their careers by their bosses. It's apparently fostered a culture of bullying and harassment. A former police officer is on the program. I'll
18: give you a perfect example of of bullying and harassment. We went to an arrest. When we got down there, there was about ten cars to arrest one bloke. And I just walked in and said, Hey, Jan, I'm going to take you down the station, make you a cup of coffee, we're going to fill out some paperwork, in the afternoon you're going straight home. Um, took him down the station. Admittedly, <laughs> he didn't get his cup of coffee. Filled out his a attendance notice and he went straight home. I was called into the office and there were three, four sergeants. They were yelling at me and he said, we don't make cups of coffees for offenders. From then on, I was targeted
2: with bullying. president elects
7: Joe Biden. Here, here's the deal, man. I,
19: I made it, man. This is a true hysteri- hysterical, historical moment.
2: Oh, uh, excuse yeah, me. Yeah.
1: Unscripted, genuine and sometimes silly, Marcus yeah. Paul in the
2: morning. Yes. Well, oh, you're here, Joe. That's where you are. Uh, Marcus Paul in the morning. Great to have everybody's company at uh, what six and a bit after eight o'clock, New South Wales daylight saving time. Christina in the capitals so with me in the studio. Uh, G'day, Christina. Good morning. Good morning. morning. Uh, we'll have a chat to you in in full in a moment. Uh, how are things? Good. Very good. Thanks. Excellent. <laughs> uh, So you'll find out what today, I guess, whether or not you'll be back into the capital or...
20: Actually, they made an announcement yesterday. So what's happening? So the restrictions are lifted. I can go back. What? there's There's 11 local government areas where there's still restrictions that apply, but I'm not in one of them.
2: Can somebody scruff Andrew Barr, uh, Chief <laughs> Minister of the Australian Capital Territory. So, um, without giving too much away, uh, what local government area are you in in Sydney?
20: Uh, I'm in a CBD kind of area. Uh,
2: well, I think we need to change that.
20: <laughs> Move me into another place. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I'm feeling... Uh, Well, you know, we just want to keep you here, that's all. Anyway, (laughs) we'll catch up with you in just a couple of moments. Uh, All the details this morning on the AMA calling on government leaders to call out medical misinformation. Oh boy, oh boy. That's not too far away with Christina in the Capital. Now, because they specialise in strata complex units and commercial building repairs or upgrades, network construction services are the remedial building specialists that you can trust. Whether it's structural repairs, facade and cladding replacement, waterproofing, upgrades to electrical and fire services, improving accessibility, concrete cancer repairs, well, network construction services bring together over 70 years of combined, and industry experience so if you need repairs refurbishments or maintenance to your strata complex unit or commercial building and you need it completed on time within budget and at the very highest standards of quality network construction services are the leaders in remedial building work find out more here networkconstructionservices.com.au, or give steve a call be more than happy to take your call, Network Construction Services on ninety eight zero eight fifty six seventy three. You got it, ninety eight zero eight fifty
1: six seventy three. Now on Marcus Paul in the morning. I have
2: always believed in miracles.
1: The latest from the capital with Christina Rosengren. Well,
2: Christina in the capital is Christina in Sydney. For now, until she goes back to Canberra. Uh, when are you heading back, by the way? Do you know yet at all? Or?
20: Yes, the end of the week. Uh,
2: all right, so we've got you to the end of the week here, Rosie Cheeks. That's yes. good. Um, but it's been great having you here. Uh, you do wonderful work for us uh, here at the Super Radio Network, as do all of our journos. Look, I have to say, though, um, it's a great gig being a political reporter. Um,
20: do you miss uh, being in the, the so called Canberra bubble? Uh, maybe not necessarily in the Canberra bubble, but it's it's still pretty amazing to work in Parliament House. It's, yeah. There's nothing that really compares to it.
2: No, there's a buzz about it, absolutely. I, I remember fondly my time there. It was just a wonderful couple of years. Again, just a couple of years will do it. And then you can come back here, okay, and work for me. That'd be great. Sure. The Australian Medical Association has called on government leaders to call out medical misinformation. Christina, tell me about this.
20: Yes, so uh, Liberal MP Craig Kelly has been stirring up some trouble on social media. Uh, Yesterday he claimed that mask use was akin to child abuse and uh, and linked that to a German study, which hasn't been peer-reviewed. And, uh, you know, he's also been... Previously, in this pandemic, he's been promoting the use of hydroxychloroquine, and he's also recently declared betadine, which is a topical antiseptic skin ointment, could reduce hospitalisations. See, this
2: is dangerous. And uh, look, again, uh, by all uh, by all means, perhaps engage in a discussion about it if you want to, not with me because I'll shut you down. Uh, it's just dangerous. Uh, he's a, a top-level government minister and here he is.
20: Well, he's not a minister, but he is an I mean, MP. Yes, he's a representative, yes. Yeah.
2: But he's he's going off script. And and why the Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, isn't pulling this guy into line and saying, Hey, Craig, just take it down a notch or two, because what you're doing is quite dangerous. Yes. I, in my opinion, anyway.
20: Well, I mean, yesterday the acting PM, Michael McCormack, he was invited to sort of condemn these comments, and he didn't do that. Instead, he tried to argue that facts are sometimes contentious. And the health minister as well, you know, top health minister at federal level, is also refusing to criticise Mr Kelly, and he's just urging the pub- public to listen to the experts. And I think that says a lot if they uh, aren't willing to sort of take a stand against this kind of misinformation.
2: Alright, so is Craig Kelly, all of a, all of a sudden an expert is is he maybe is he is I don't know maybe he's lobbying for a job as the health minister God help us if that was the case Christina <laughs> yeah all right a newly declassified document has revealed the Trump administration strategy for the indo-pacific
20: yes yeah, so this is a, a document developed by Trump's National Security Council through uh, the course of 2017 previously classified secret and uh, not for foreign nationals but it's now been officially declassified and this has been seen by the ABC and apparently Australia has had a significant uh, influence in developing this document. And it was uh, developed while Malcolm Turnbull was still PM and at the time uh, his government was undertaking its own appraisal of China's yeah. ambitions in the region. Uh, so the White House was apparently watching very closely what Australia was doing and uh, incorporating that into its policy. And um, the language of this document does seem to confirm that the US is, or is seeking to contain China. And the reason that this uh, document has now been released or declassified uh, 30 years earlier than when classified documents like this are Normally released uh, is because it seemed to be a sort of a method of reassuring allies. So uh, analysts claim that the US is trying to tell its alliance partners that we're not fading away but doubling down in the Indo Pacific. Uh, so, so, you know, a sort of continuity of policy even though the administration is changing.
2: Yeah, all right. Uh, Labor has criticised the government for awarding communications contracts to a firm with, st- surprise, surprise, strong liberal links.
20: So this information is from the Oz Tender records, and it shows that there's been $1.8 million worth of communications contracts awarded to primary communications partners. Uh, so this firm has received PR work and funding from the Tax Office, the National Mental Health Commission, and also the Attorney General's Department uh, between March 2019 and this month. And all but one of those contracts given to this company were awarded through uh, open tender. So that is important to note. Uh, but this company, as uh, you mentioned, does have a quite a few Liberal links. So uh, the CEO Chris Hall has worked for the Barry O'Fall co- Coalition government. Um, mm. He's also thanked, been thanked by Craig Kelly for working on his campaign. There's a senior account manager, Craig Regan, who worked for Paul Fletcher and Arthur C. A few more links as well. So Labor's just trying to make the point that this is uh, another case of the Coalition government using taxpayer money to help out their Liberal mates. That's their argument.
2: Jobs for the boys. Alright Christina, thank you. Uh, great to have you in the studio this morning. We'll chat with you again tomorrow, okay?
20: Thank you. Christina
2: In the capital, here in Sydney at 2SM. (laughs) Alright, New South Wales Deputy Premier John Barillaro says sections of the Kosciuszko National Park should be free of feral horses. Really? It's a bit of a U turn for bras, is it not? Okay, I. It's not going to please his mate Peter Cochrane. I mean, Peter told us on this program yesterday that he had John Barilaro's support for a non-cull of Brumbies in Kosciuszko National Park. The story today is that there's a dramatic shift in the Deputy Premier's stance on the issue in cutting feral horse numbers in Kosciuszko. Uh, Mr Barilaro says... We must reduce the number of Brumbies, whether it's down to 600, 1,000 or 3,000. He's added, in speaking to the Sydney Morning Herald, there are parts of the park that should have zero horses. Now, Mr Baralaro made the comments ahead of the release of the government's latest count of horses in the park. We've seen a lot of Brumbies lost due to drought and bushfires. The latest spring survey, which has been obtained by the Herald, showed the numbers of the animals totaled more than 14,000 compared to 19,000 a year earlier. Now, Environment Minister Matt Keane attributed the drop to effects of bushfire and drought, movement of animals out of the park and a similar survey and a smaller survey region. Uh, Mr Keane said, I remain 100% committed to managing the very sensitive areas of the iconic Kosciuszko National Park on the basis of the best available science. We will always have wild horses in Kosci, but 14,000 is still too many. If we want to preserve this precious place and the plants and animals that call it home, we need to manage horse numbers responsibly. Now Mr Keane agreed to an annual horse count after pressure from John Barillaro, who said the previous tally had been too high and that fires and drought had savaged, savaged herds, producing the urgency to reduce numbers. All right, well Andrew Cox, the Invasive Species Council CEO, he was on my program yesterday. He says Mr Barilaro's comments, accepting that numbers may need to drop to as low as 600, were extraordinary compared to his past views. He's never gone below 3,000 before, according to Mr Cox. It's a big change of tune. Well, why? Why have you changed your mind on this, bros? 131269 is the telephone number if you'd like to have your say. Uh, a caller by the name of Peter wanted me to look into this the construction company that built the cracked opal tower in sydney has apparently won the contract for the redevelopment of the historic north sydney olympic pool with construction to work on the 60 uh, with construction work on the 64 million dollar project expected to start in a couple of months now north sydney council has revealed that icon We'll upgrade the indoor and outdoor pools and build a new grandstand, a children's play area and expanded gymnasium after plans were approved by an independent panel last year. Now, the council revealed in December that the cost of the redevelopment, which has been frustrated by heritage concerns and delays to the council's previously published timeline, had ballooned by $6 million. So it'll cost an extra $6 bucks. North Sydney Mayor Gilly Gibson said the Milsons Point Pool had, quote, served our community splendidly for 84 years after opening in 1936 and appointed a builder that was, quote, the best new year present for residents. All right, well, some, I have to say, uh, Mayor Gibson, some of your councillors are concerned. They're concerned that they've not seen the contract or a probity plan for the project and that a builder had been appointed via an announcement on the council's website before any uh, discussion, I think, in chambers. But the other issue, of course, is that you've got to remember Icon, uh, the company behind the Opal, Power, Opal Tower at Sydney's Olympic Park. And that became a lightning rod for the debate over standards of residential construction across the city after a crack developed in a load-bearing concrete panel on Christmas Eve back in 2018. Anyway, uh, there's no doubt that I love the North Sydney pools down there at uh, Milsons One of the most iconic places that you could possibly swim in Sydney. You're right next to Luna Park. You've got the bridge. It's beautiful. Just a gorgeous spot, and I welcome the upgrade to the pool, I really do. Let's just hope there's no cracks in the concrete. (laughs) I'm sure there won't be. 22 minutes after eight, Marcus Paul in the morning. Look, we mentioned earlier on the program this morning uh, that a number of councils who are still frustrated and feeling pretty at odds with the uh, Berejiklian governments over the dealing out of, you know, taxpayer money during the uh, council grant scheme ahead of the last state election. Well, they're going to take um, their actions even further. The reason why, well, to prove a point that pork-barrelling of public money shouldn't continue. The inner-city council and the Council of Canterbury-Bankstown have engaged a top Sydney barrister, a top Sydney silk. In fact, it's the fellow that successfully represented and acquitted Cardinal George Pell. He also headed up the inquiry into the Princess uh, Ruby Princess debacle. Uh, I'm talking, of course, about... Uh, I'm just trying to get his name. I've forgotten it. Isn't that terrible? Brett Walker, SC. How could I forget you, Brett? My apologies. Anyway, councils furious over the missing, uh, you know, their share of the $250 million in the state government's council funding scandal will mount a legal challenge in just a couple of weeks after engaging the top legal heavyweights, Brett Walker, SC. Now, his brief will apparently inform their next decision on whether to take on the state government over the lack of funding they received from the council grant grants program. If we know uh, the history here, $252 million, 95% of it going to LNP seats, including Hornsby City Council, who weren't even amalgamated. Now, uh, Greg Warren is a member for Campbelltown. He's also the shadow minister for local government. Greg, good morning to you, mate. Happy New Year. Good morning, mate, and happy New Year to you. All right, well, is this going to prove a point that we will no longer stand for blatant pork-barrelling of taxpayer money?
14: Well, I think it's a sad day when you're seeing one level of government having to take another level of government to the courts to seek justice. I mean, ultimately, and as you stated before, uh, these hundreds of millions of dollars were put in place to support forcibly merged communities across the state. Yeah. Uh,
0: that
14: That's what, what was put in place initially. And, of course, as we know, uh, the guidelines were changed uh, by Gladys Berejiklian and her government. How convenient. So they, yeah, so they could go and spend it wherever they liked, um, which means um, the forcibly merged councils who were meant to get this money didn't get it, and it was put into electorates uh, for the political benefit of the Liberal Party in New South Wales and Gladys Berejiklian.
2: Yeah, look, it's going to cost ratepayers, no doubt, uh, around Canterbury, Bankstown and also the Inner West, uh, Balmain, Leichhardt, areas like that. It's going to cost them a pretty penny. This bloke charges up to, uh, what is it, 20-odd grand or something a day.
14: Yeah, I mean, it is an extraordinary amount of money, but I guess it's a display as to... Uh, the anger and fury out there and, and I guess the willing for communities to seek justice as to these hundreds of millions of dollars. And, and there's something that I sustain uh, now and I always will. This money isn't the government's money. No matter who is in government, it's taxpayers' money. That yeah. means that it must be used for the benefit of taxpayers for the purpose that is put in place to do. Now, it is not the privilege of government just to test and adjust for their own political gain. It is the responsibility of government to allocate that money for the benefit of communities and good outcomes. That hasn't happened. So I guess these councils taking the government to, uh, to court is a symbolic representation as to a removal of faith and trust in government. And I think it's a sad day, but these are the lengths that communities are willing to go to.
2: Well, you're right Uh, when you say it's symbolic because it's not as if they're going to get any extra money out of it uh, from the state government, these councils. In fact, I would argue that it'll probably further distance them uh, from, you know, Gladys and Dominic Perrottet and her mob.
14: Yeah, I mean, no doubt the government wouldn't be happy, but to be honest with you, Marcus, Uh, uh, Dominic Perrottet Gladys Berejiklian and and all the other government ministers and members should have thought of that before they put their their grubby little scratches into the public purse for their own political gain. I mean, it's a representation as to the actions of government rather than the reaction of local councils uh, trying to stand up for their communities.
2: All right, Greg, got to go, mate. News is coming up. Good to chat. Happy New Year, mate. We'll talk to you soon, I'm sure. Good on you, mate. Happy New Year. All right, there he is. Greg Warren, member for Campbelltown and shadow minister for local government.
1: Marcus Paul
0: in the morning.
1: Marcus Paul in the morning. morning. Email Marcus and follow the show on social media by going to 2sm.com.au. All right,
2: 24. Four and a half minutes away from nine o'clock, New South Wales. Daylight saving time for my listeners this morning on 2HD in Newcastle. A story out of Musselbrook. A man is now in custody and two women have been stabbed following a confrontation with police at a home in the Hunter overnight. Now, police officers were called to the home on the Pacific Way at Musselbrook at around seven o'clock where they found a 27-year-old man in the front yard allegedly armed with a pair of scissors and also carrying a baby. I mean, these, these poor police having to deal with this nonsense. Officers repeatedly directed the man to release the child, but he allegedly refused. As the man briefly put the 18-month girl on the ground, police then deployed a taser to arrest this bloke. Now, a 30-year-old Maxville woman was airlifted from the scene to John Hunter Hospital with a stab wound to the right eye with the scissors. And a 28-year-old Musclebrook woman was also undergoing hospital treatment for a stab wound to her upper left arm and her face. But have a listen to this. Five kids, five children, aged between 11 months and seven, were at the home at the time of this incident. None of them were physically injured, thank God. This Maxville bloke was taken to Musselbrook Police Station, and inquiries continue. Boy, oh boy. Those poor kids. And the women. Uh, They'll obviously recover from their injuries, but you have to worry. I mean, I don't know how old these other children were. The 11-month-old won't remember it, but certainly if kids are at a certain age, if they've seen this bloke go on a stabbing spree, allegedly... With a pair of scissors, well, it is a major concern. It really is for their mental health. Okay, Marcus Paul in the morning. David, how are you, buddy? Super good. Excellent. Cheer me up with a joke, please, mate.
6: Two caterpillars were crawling along a leaf.
2: (laughs) Yes.
17: A butterfly flew overhead. Yeah. One caterpillar said to the other... You'll never get me up in one of those things. Oh, that's gold.
2: Very good, buddy. Thank you. Enjoy your day. Marcus Paul in the morning. Give me a call, 13 12 69. Telephone number. Emails, MP in the morning at 2SM supernetwork.com. This is the moment
21: when you come up for air. of your lungs Not a minute to spare
2: song it's called come up for air uh it's uh, it was used in the american series catfish uh maybe you caught it all right let's go back to the open line just quickly alicia are you there yes i am how are you i'm well thanks alicia you want to talk about nursing homes
22: yes i actually want to talk about good nursing homes
2: wonderful i i love hearing good stories i mean it's not it's not all negative out there
22: no, my parents are in a nursing home in um, Tamworth. I've just been down to see them because I live in Queensland yeah. um, while we were allowed to go down there. Um, and um, they are the most wonderful people. They, I couldn't have anybody better to look after my parents. They, like my father had a fall. They have checked him, sent him to the hospital. They have checked him for a whole other day and to make sure he was okay. My mother can't walk around, and they sort of they look after them, not like they see them sitting there for hours. I even had a look at the food when I was there, yeah. I'd eat it myself. Roasts, prawn, prawn things, prawn um, crumb prawns and stuff for lunch. Like it's beautiful. Good. And the place is clean. The staff are happy.
2: Well, let's give them a plug because I'm more than happy to do that. Uh, of course, uh, we've had some negativity uh, with those results uh, from this survey released yesterday, yes. and we need to talk about it, obviously. Um, but if we have a, a good story, where is where is Mum?
22: Uh, cottage homes in Tamworth. Cottage
2: Homes in Tamworth. Okay. Yeah, that's the most wonderful
22: place. My sister lives down there, and, they, and if they correspond with her every week about how my parents are. They're just really, really good.
2: All right, well, well done. Well done to the staff, and I, I love hearing good, positive stories about you know what we look, to be honest... It's what we should be experiencing everywhere. There should be no uh, no one in a nursing home anywhere in Australia suffering from physical or sexual abuse. And I'm glad to hear that, you know, there are some really good operators out there. And well done to the team there at Cottage Homes Tamworth. Thank you for the call, Alicia. OK, you're welcome. Thank you. Have Bye. a great day. Marcus Paul in the morning.
1: Marcus Paul in the morning. Email Marcus and follow the show on social media by going to 2sm.com.au.
2: Okay, it's 13 minutes away from nine, away from eight in Queensland. If you'd like to send us a text, you can. Uh, The text number 0458 049 209. You can even troll on the text as my mate, my new mate. I've got another sparring partner. Um, now, from the Laws Program, Roscoe. Roscoe's one of the Tinfoil Hat Brigade. Here's what happened when Roscoe called me yesterday, and then I'll get to his wonderful text this morning.
17: Hey,
23: I'm Marcus. All
17: right,
2: Roscoe, what's on your mind?
17: Yeah, I haven't taught you for a long time, Um I
23: oh, just the election, I just turned on the radio, I haven't heard all your program. I was wondering, um, has anyone, has anyone so far talked about uh, the possibility of Joe Biden not being sworn in to the presidency.
2: I beg your pardon, has anybody talked about the prospect of him not being sworn in, but he will be?
23: Um well, let me tell you this right now, I can't believe how far behind everyone in Australia, hardly anyone I know people would know about it. But like the American intelligence the American um forces intelligence They've arrested the guy. They got all the evidence under the sun now that he's all. Everyone's talking about. They haven't got. They've arrested the Italian prime minister. Oh, that's. I'll oh, get to that in a minute. Why he's been arrested, and also the guy who actually pressed the buttons and changed all the votes is singing like a bird. To, for um, so he, so he'll be. He's cutting the deal and he's telling everyone exactly.
2: All what right. Happened. This is all. This is all your opinion, though. Where where do you get this information from?
23: It's, yeah, well, it's my opinion, let me say this, it's all my opinion, but it's as good as all your opinion of what's saying that he's a definite to get signed in. Well, right? he is a definite, so hang saying. on,
2: he is a definite to get signed in because Congress, no. Congress has inaugurated his election win. Oh, um, no, um, you, you hear me out, like... Ah, oh, go away. You, I'm sick to death of these bloody conspiracy theories. <laughs> So this morning, uh, Roscoe's, I don't know, been busy on the text. Uh, Troll away, mate. I won't read them all. There are a few here, but uh, probably uh, one of his greatest hits this morning. I would have explained some of this stuff to you, but you were rude, insulting, ignorant, and above all, totally unprofessional. (laughs) Gee, I don't know. Roscoe, you got a good couple of minutes to have your say, and then I questioned you on it and you spat the dummy. Uh, and, I, and I basically pulled the call down because, I don't know, that's what we do in radio. Anyway, Roscoe goes on to say, you do this uh, all uh, too regularly to many listeners as well. Well, <laughs> Roscoe, it's called Talkback Radio. Um, you rang up, you had your say, I disagreed with you and I got rid of you. Wow. Am I doing something different to, I don't know, what everybody else has done? in talk radio. I'm sorry, you're not going to get five minutes to come on my program, Roscoe, and sprout your conspiracy bullshit. It's just not going to happen, okay? People see straight through that stuff today, according to Roscoe. The public is too discerning and educated. That's why it's the same old men and women who call your show and kiss your ass. The rest of us sit back and laugh at your blinker-wearing style, says Roscoe good laugh, if not for anything else. Regards the tin hat lunatic. Well, at least you've got your your name right now. Roscoe, you are a bit of a tin hat lunatic. I think you were banned anyway from the Law Show and now I know damn well why. Alright, welcome back. Uh, Scruffy there.
21: Hi Marcus. Hello
2: mate. Let's just have a listen again to our mate Roscoe. He made a claim about the (laughs) Italian Prime Minister. They've
23: arrested the Italian Prime
2: Minister. There we go. They've arrested the Italian Prime Minister. Uh, apparently that's not true. Uh, I, you've I done a little bit of... A... I can't see anything about the arrest of the Italian Prime Minister. I think we would have heard about that. He's an important member of the world's uh, leaders. Mm-hmm. But uh, some internet users have continued to uh, put out baseless claims of about electoral Ford. This week there was multiple videos posted to Facebook that alleged the vote count was changed... In Rome <laughs> <laughs> oh, people, yes. people believe this Apparently some they? Trump uh, fans Have uh, shared a 52 wow. minute video Which go. explains the theory Dubbed Italy Gate Alright, oh, that'll do, that'll <laughs> do oh, I can't believe it, really That's almost it for the Brecky show uh, We'll be back after 9 o'clock For the John Laws Morning Show go? Just a little bit of music to get us there love, my love. Marcus Paul in the morning 13 12 69 our telephone number good morning to you
1: Now, 131269.
2: Welcome to the program. It is Wednesday, January 13, 2021. And the Acting Prime Minister has once again put his foot in his mouth. We'll talk about that. Marcus Paul in the morning. Give me a call. Let me know what's on your minds. 13 12 69. Wherever you're listening around Australia, we'd love to hear from you this morning. 13 12 69. If you would like to send a text message to the program. 0458 049 209. And of course, you can always send us an email mp in the morning at 2smsupernetwork.com. set to go give us a call let me know what's on your mind on this wednesday 13 12 69 the telephone number and as i said at the top there the acting prime minister michael mccormick is ruffling feathers uh, perhaps maybe even putting his foot in his mouth yesterday of course he claimed that all lives matters uh, which anybody with half a brain knows uh, but he's completely missed the point of the black Lives matter movement, which is centered upon the fact that for decades black people have been treated as second-class citizens. So I think he's wrong on that. His comparison of the BLM protests fuelled by disgruntled people who were fed up with the abominable treatment of black people by police to the extraordinary violence, illegal and anarchist Capitol Hill riots, well, this comparison is senseless. Now he's called unemployed Australians who've lost their job due to no fault of their own COVID-19, the pandemic, he's called them lounge lizards effectively and told them to stop watching television. And here's the real kicker, to move out bush to work on farms. Now, it sounds like a good idea, but he's failed to take into account the fact that those people didn't choose to lose their jobs. They were forced out and simply uprooting their lives to work for minimum wage in seasonal work in faraway farms is simply not feasible for most city dwellers, especially when there's no incentive. They'll work harder in harsher conditions and earn less money. And let's remember that the job seeker payments are going back into businesses to keep our economy afloat. Anyway, Michael McCormick is also refusing to condemn conservative backbencher Craig Kelly for spreading unproven conspiracy theories that compulsory mask wearing for children is a criminal and a form of child abuse. <laughs> Look, kids under 12 in shopping centres don't even need to wear them, but that's beside the point. Now, official health advice in Australia and internationally is that wearing masks is an effective way of preventing the spread of COVID-19. I don't know who, but somebody needs to remind Mr McCormick that he isn't the Prime Minister. He's the acting PM for a short period. And it's possibly not his job to make inflammatory comments. He's having a good week, isn't he? Anyway, in the virus news, Western Australia's Premier Mark McGowan has continued his tirade against Gladys Berejiklian, saying Australia could rest easy if New South Wales eliminated the virus. Well, firstly, Mr McGowan, eradication is impossible. It's not going away, ever, possibly. So what we need to do is manage outbreaks just as New South Wales has effectively been doing. What's not at all helpful is when Mr McGowan closes borders at the drop of a hat and then creates a ridiculous 28-0 case requirement before WA reopens. That will hurt the economy considerably and be detrimental to the mental health of those, who's, or those who have family in states that are close to New South Wales. Look, secondly, the man has some nerve to throw stones at New South Wales when the state continually takes far more overseas arrivals than any other. 40% of arrivals in New South Wales actually live in other states, so, New South Wales continues to do the heavy lifting. And as a result, it's had a few dozen cases. They're treated like lepers. Grow up, Mark. You're rude. And I think just a little um, out of place. And on some sort of power trip, I think, I thought we were one country. All right, in other news, I see a Wellington man is now facing 14 charges after the car he was allegedly driving hit and killed two young boys. Yeah, just an awful story out there in the central west near Dubbo. The driver never, ever held a licence. The bloody hell was he doing on the road for? We can only hope the judge throws the book at this bloke. How dare anyone drive so recklessly and kill two little boys? It's something that he'll never forget, and I hope it does haunt this bloke for the rest of his life. All right, coon cheese, back on the agenda today. I love it. I've always liked the taste of it. Particularly melted cheese on toast. Cheer cheese is what it'll be now known as after falling victim to cancel culture. Um, I don't know, is it the right thing to do? Some say it is. We know that coon has been used in the past as a derogatory term and no one, of course, should be comfortable with having it used as the name of a popular food item. I don't know. Look, maybe. Does changing the name hurt anybody? No. Will you still buy it? Possibly. There'll be a few people out there saying, I'm never going to eat coon cheese again. What are they calling it? Cheers, cheese. Doesn't quite have the same ring to it, does it? And what about out there in Coonabarabran? We're now going to call you Cheerabarabran. Anyway, uh, I don't know if you want to have something to say on that. Give us a call, thirteen twelve sixty nine, the telephone number. Um, I'm not one for canceling culture, but at the end of the day, if some people still remain offended by it, um, they are in the very small minority, I have to say. But and again, my point that I made when all this debate started over the whole coon cheese rubbish was that there'd be a lot of young people, I would imagine, who are out there in our society who would never, ever have thought of the word coon as being a derogatory term used for Aboriginal people. Now they do. Well done. <laughs> We've highlighted it. All right, to sport. Sport. Uh, In the cricket, it looks like Australia opener Will Bukowski will miss the final test against India on Friday. He suffered a shoulder injury while driving on the field in the... What? While diving on the field. He wasn't driving on the field. What was he driving the medical cart? No, he was diving on the field in the third test. Meanwhile, Steve Smith denies he cheated when he scraped away uh, Pants Guard in a bid to sabotage the Indian batsman. Look, I'm of two minds on this. Steve Smith, while you're not batting, get the hell away from the crease. And I'm sorry somebody tried to say yesterday that oh, well, you know, he's always thinking about the game 24/7. He's always out there taking guard, he's thinking about his next innings and and he's having a look at the pitch, but he wasn't going to bat again. That was the final innings. It didn't look good, I'm sorry. And opposing players should have nothing to do with the batting crease while they're in the field. They shouldn't. When you're bowling, you're bowling. Okay, certainly. You can, you know, check things around pop increases and the run-up and all the rest of it, but stay away from where the batsman is. Okay, that's... While the team that is batting is batting, that's their area. And look, how would we be reacting if... One of the Indian bowlers, or one of the Indian players, for instance, was doing the same thing. It's not a good look. I don't know why Steve Smith needs to be anywhere near the crease at all while he's in the field. Anyway, that's my thoughts. You might agree or disagree. Give me a call. 13 12 And the Australian Formula One Grand Prix has been pushed back to November this year. It's usually the season opener in March, but due to Australia's strict tra- travel conditions and restrictions... Um, and the mutant strain of the coronavirus, the race has now been postponed. So no Formula One Grand Prix until November this year, but of course, if you want to watch the tennis, they all go into their bubble for the Australian Open, I think, today or tomorrow. Okay, a couple of other items buzzing around that perhaps you might want to have a little chat about. A pub in the Northern Territory has ruffled some feathers for a cheeky slogan referring to their chicken schnitty and palmies on their menu. Uh, What are they saying? Well, how do you like your breasts? I don't know. (laughs) Are we really that offended these days? Maybe some people need to get a life. but. It was a story that was buzzing around Breakfast Television this morning. And also, just after uh, 10 o'clock New South Wales Daylight Saving Time, this morning I'm going to catch up with Daniel Mookie, who's the New South Wales Shadow Minister for Finance and Small Business. Why? Well, I'm sick to death of governments around our country mismanaging and wasting what little precious money we have during the COVID-19 pandemic. And can you believe that... The scandal-ridden agency iCare in New South Wales spent 890,000 dollars in three months paying Pricehouse waters uh, what sorry what Price waterhouse Cooper, I'm sorry, Price Waterhouse Cooper, a big accounting firm for a culture review. in three months for a cultural review. Price, Waterhouse, Cooper are a big four accounting firm and I think they're pretty chummy with the New South Wales government. That's good coin, isn't it? Really. And it all comes amidst severe criticism of uh, workers' compensation insurers, particularly iCare, for lavishly spending employer money on consultants while failing to return sick and injured workers to work. I mean, it's ridiculous. It's just one expensive review after another expensive review. It's out... I mean, I don't understand. Do they just think this stuff grows on trees and that no one will notice? Anyway, uh, good work, Daniel, uh, on exposing this, and we'll have you on the program after 10 o'clock this morning, New South Wales Daylight Saving Time. All right, let's get to callers. Callers. 131269 is the telephone number. Mark, good morning. No, Mark didn't hold on. All right. Try Maureen. Are you there, Maureen?
24: Oh, hello, Marcus. How are you? Well. Um, I know it's halfway through January, but it's the first time I've spoken to you, so I'll, I'll say Happy New Year.
2: Happy New uh, Year to you as well.
24: Marcus, I was going to ring up about a couple of things. I just got, you know, uh, well, number one, Mark, um, Malcolm McCormack. Mm. Uh, we have governments in this, country you know we have we have rules and regulations about covid um and this misinformation should have been stopped It should have been stopped a long time ago by uh scott morrison anyway prime minister the, the misinformation that's been peddled by these few um you know the liberal and national politicians i don't accept freedom of speech you know i mean i, I could run around and say Well, I wonder how Scott Morrison would feel, you know, if I got on the wireless, people would not accept it. If I got on the wireless and said, Scott Morrison's a liar, they wouldn't, people wouldn't accept it. So they shouldn't be accepting of, you know, what these politicians are are spinning.
2: Look, uh, some people, um, some people listening right now may say, well, Maureen, you know, uh, there are other experts out there that don't get a, a, a good run in the mainstream media that aren't, uh, you know, their views yeah. aren't accepted by the mainstream. But look, again, uh, what it, what I do in, in, in the shows that I put to air on this network is I listen to the health advice and I broadcast information that has been approved by the government's health department. That's what I do. I don't want to talk about hydroxychlorine, whatever the hell it's called, or anything else. All I want to do is provide the information that the governments uh, went through their chief medical officers provide. And if you have a you know some sort of theory otherwise, well, that's your business. But I, I believe that conspiracy theories and other ideas outside of what the government official medical advice is, is dangerous.
24: Well, I agree with you on that, and that was my point about, you know, they shouldn't... Morrison, as far as I'm concerned, should have stopped this peddling of this, you know, uh, or whatever it is.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
24: You know, um, it it should have been stopped. And, you know, the same with... uh, uh, Anyway, what McCormack said, you know, the other day. It's just ridiculous. But the second thing I just wanted to say to you about... Gladys Berejiklian is making an issue about, oh, you know, the border closures and, oh, we're affecting our businesses. You know, they should be... These other states should consider what's going on in New South Wales and you could send some businesses broke. Well, I say to her, I did not see my family from Victoria for over 12 months because of her actions last... She shut the border and nobody... Victorian businesses went south because of her um, actions. So, you know, it's like the pot calling the kettle black. And and then just finally on, you were just talking about iCare, you know, and Price Waterhouse and the money, you know, that they're getting. The federal government does the same. They're they're paying consultants uh, to do the job that public servants are engaged to do. And yeah, so there's a duplication of money here. Um, And then finally, if I may, but uh, just on that, that's
2: all right. Just on that, I mean, yes, outsourcing is nothing new for governments, and they do privatise a lot of uh, what Mm. I think, um, (laughs) yeah, what I think bureaucrats should be doing, either in Macquarie Street or down in Canberra. But three hundred thousand dollars plus a month just to do a so-called cultural review on yeah. a scandal-plagued agency. I mean, that's like adding salt to a wound. I couldn't agree well, more with 300K it. plus a month.
24: I know. You know, and uh. <laughs> I know. But Marcus, what I wanted to ring you about was something uh, that you Ray, you were talking about yesterday, and I had a medical appointment and I couldn't. You were talking about the aged care, the report that came out. Yes, yes. Um, Yesterday, you know, mm-hmm. with the abuse uh, of, of our elderly. I just wanted to ask you because I haven't been able to find it. I've been, you know, tied up with things. But um, did that come from private or uh, was, was that report, uh, the bulk of those, those abuses, were they from private? Uh, no, was it no, it was a government.
2: No, no, no. Well, oh, sorry. When you say from, no, it's overall. So both mm. public and private.
24: Yeah, I'd be interested to see where it is because our tax dollars mm. pay. You know, we pay, uh, the bulk of. Uh, you know, there's a lot of money that the taxpayer you know pays yes. into. Um, you know, into aged care. Well, absolutely under the federal government umbrella, so I'm just at federal funding. So I'm just yep. wondering, you know, where that abuse... And I'm just aware of uh, over the past couple of years with the uh, Royal Commission, and, you know, they, they raised a lot of concerns about uh, the... Yeah, you know, particularly the federally funded aged care sector, the abuse that's been yes. going on there. Well,
2: as I mentioned but- yesterday, Maureen, uh, and thank you for the call... Um, 331 people on average a week at nursing homes across Australia are either physically or sexually assaulted. If that was happening in any health jurisdiction anywhere around Australia, you know, we have state governments that look after. Uh, each health, uh, in each jurisdiction. So, you know, New South Wales Health, for instance, it was happening in New South Wales, public hospitals, 331 people being sexually or physically assaulted every week. Well, there'd be an outcry. I'm looking through the paper this morning. Nothing. Nothing at all on any of it. I don't understand. I really don't get it. It's a national disgrace and something we should be screaming Blue murder about, to be perfectly honest.
1: Marcus Paul in the morning.
2: New government data reveals 103 reportable assaults occur in our country's nursing homes each and every week. Now that's something to scream about.
3: I took her to this particular home on a Thursday. On the Friday I went up and had lunch with her and then I got a phone call at 4pm in the afternoon to say she's in an ambulance going to the hospital. So I shot up to the hospital and waited for the ambulance to bring her in. She was covered in bruises, her wrists have had got bruises and her ankles, obviously they've restrained her. What
4: that darling went through, she was sexually assaulted. Two wrists were broken, oh there was numerous bruises. It
2: was a dreadful thing. Until we have somebody in government with enough balls to turn this ship around, then unfortunately we're going to see horrific statistics like we've seen today.
1: Mark is in the morning.
2: Alright, give me a call. 13 12 69, the telephone number. Robert, are you there, mate? Yes, I'm here. Can you hear me? I got you, Robert. How are you, mate? I want to
7: talk about this... Coon Cheese for you, scale. Yeah. Why
23: are we going to bow down to these minority idiots
2: all the time? Uh, uh, if my surname's Robert Coon, do I have to get my name changed, do I? No, you don't. Uh, you could change it to Robert Cheer if you want. Uh, uh, some people are saying <laughs> cheers to the new name. Coon Cheese will now be called Cheer Cheese after, oh, 85, yeah. after 85 years. Uh, The name will be changed. But the other point, of course, is that just near Swansea, in the middle of Lake Macquarie, is an island. You know what the island's called, don't you? Coon Island. And ironically, it's managed by a local Indigenous group. 131269, the telephone number. Are you there, James? Good morning, Marcus
14: morning.
7: Now, you are going
4: about um, Coon and the name changing.
7: Well, there's two things, you know, foods and that. But first of all, I've got a lovely little girl. She's just turned one and she's a Coonhound cross with a Wolfhound. Now, I'm not going to change
2: her name. She's a
7: Coonhound dog.
2: Well, but, why yeah, should you? They're not talking about dogs. They're, they were talking about cheese. Cheese,
7: yeah. <laughs> well, well, fruits. You know, if they're going to start on Coon being a derogatory term mm. and bad, and that's talking about a fruit, uh, a food, I should say. Yeah, what about oranges? How dare they? people call them by the colour of the skin? Lemons, plums, and don't get me started on beetroots. how we get
2: that <laughs> name? You can't uh, you can't go around. Picking on beetroots, you'll upset people like Barnaby Joyce. Uh, Susan, hello, Susan. How are you? Oh uh, Hi. Listen, some That your technical department's got to fix this problem. Uh, Susan, I don't want to. I don't want you to come on air and talk about anything technical. Leave that rubbish off the air. Can we get to the point of your call? I yeah. I'm, I want to get on the constructive uh, something shortly. But but I can only hear what you say. I can't hear what. The... Well, there's no point in. All right, there's no point in telling the, uh, oh, just forget it. There's no point. If you want to talk about anything technical with the radio station, can we leave it off air, please? All right? It's There's no place on the program for you to ring up and whinge about something technical. Yes, speak to the producers. Speak to Zen or Justin, Scruff, anybody else. But we don't need to be broadcasting that sort of stuff. Pauline, good morning. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you, Marcus. Excellent. How are you? Oh, good, Dallum. What's on your mind?
25: Um, I just wanted to ring about aged care. My husband is in an aged care unit and he is exceptionally well cared for as well as all the other people in, in the, this aged care. Yeah. They have meals made on the premises. They have lovely meals. They have Decent breakfasts with fresh juice um, They have activity people that come and take them on bus rides Or they have painting sessions, they have exercises Now these are dementia patients as well as other Not patients, that's a dreadful word Residents, dementia residents That's right And, and they, um, everybody in, in this unit is well cared for and looked after and the meals are hot, variety of meals and morning and afternoon teas are lovely and they get to help prepare like one of the activity managers or make scones or something like that and yeah. the people in, in the unit, they, they help. You know, and the 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 carers there are absolutely wonderful. Yeah, absolutely wonderful. I know people are always going on about aged care facilities, but there is absolutely nothing wrong in a lot of the places.
2: No, you're absolutely right. Can you name this place for me? Look, I've got. I'm starting up a list uh, because I know that we have spoken in generalities. about you know some uh, negative experiences in the aged care sector in the last day or so, but I'm starting up yes. a list of some of the good places um, you know that listeners are experiencing and say that you know they're comfortable, happy with how their loved ones are being cared for, supported, looked after, etc. So far in Tamworth, I have cottage homes from a caller this morning. So what's this place called now? This one is.
25: Bayside at Byron RSL.
11: Mm-hmm.
25: Okay. Aged care and it's in Suffolk Park. Okay.
2: Bayside at yeah. Byron RSL in Suffolk Park. Yeah. Lovely.
25: But they honestly the the gentleman in charge is is very forthcoming and always there the the head nurse in charge of everybody. Mhm. Is brilliant, and everybody there is very attentive, very attentive to the residents in the facility. Well, that's one. The meals are exceptional, and the staff, right down to the to the the gardener, the repair man, they're just very happy, and most of them know all the patients' names. They don't. They don't use any other. Anything else, maybe darling, Mm. but they do know their names, you know. They and they speak to them as they would speak to you or me. I've never heard one of them raise a voice. Yep. And I um and I'm there frequently.
2: Well, that's wonderful. Thank you for sharing a a really positive story with us this morning, Pauline. I greatly appreciate it.
25: And and just one other thing, they also have musicians come in so many days a week.
0: Yeah.
25: And and they have sing-alongs and and they hand out musical instruments, you know, just, you know, the
2: casters or whatever they call them. And well, well done to them. Bayside at Byron RSL at Suffolk Park. All right, thank you very much for the call. Look, if you have also got a positive story about a nursing home where your loved one is being cared for, where the staff are just wonderful, give us a call by all means. Uh, I mean, obviously, we need to highlight the inefficiencies in the system. I personally think the the system needs an overhaul because, unfortunately, the you know the stats don't lie when we're having over 4,000 people each year or 331 a week on average being either physically or sexually assaulted. There is something seriously wrong with the system. But that's not saying that all nursing homes are suffering the same fate. Give us a call, 13 12 69, the number.
1: This is Marcus Paul, filling in for John Laws on the Super Radio Network.
2: All right, 13-12-69, the telephone number if you would like to have your say. Uh, I see Hugh is on the open line. Morning, Hugh. Morning, Marcus. How are you, Hugh? Um, uh, unchanged. You're unchanged. Good.
7: Wasn't a trick question. Uh, oh, okay. Okay, um, I, I, I've just, um... I've just got a, a an envelope. You, you know how you let um, interesting characters on the radio. I can't think of another way to put it. Mm. And, and and interesting characters think they're poets. And 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 then then like me, they run round the house, tearing envelopes apart with windows on them, and then writing down poetry on them. Yes. What's that? Yes. Yeah, a lot of people do that. I, I just wrote I I, I, really? I down a bit of a song
0: oh, on no. an
7: envelope, and, 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 and for us people that, that would like to protest against paper, what we actually find by ripping the envelopes apart that we're actually running out of paper. And I've actually got through this year on four rolls of toilet paper. I reckon I've done well. Hey, do you want to hear the cooker bars? Oh,
2: yeah. Hang on, listen to this. Anything they, but you.
7: Hang on. Are you
2: ready? I'm ready.
7: All right, let's try the cockaburras. I'll see if they say anything. The baby cockaburra has been naughty. Okay, baby cockaburra say something. Come on. Speak up. It's riveting radio. No, the cockaburras are just No, they they flap one flap their wings and they 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 they're just looking at me like I'm strange.
2: Really? No, I don't think they're the only ones. Oh, really? Can I sing you a song? Go on, Hugh. Why not? Make my day.
7: Okay, let's go. I just got to reorganise the half-ish empty tissue box studio company, right? Found me guitar. Let's go.
2: Yep. My apologies in advance uh, to people listening, but let's go, Hugh.
7: People are not riding or protesting down my street As I sit inside my White House and watch a Western movie on TV
2: All right, 13-12-69, the telephone number to have you say. Marcus Paul in the morning. Glenn the truckie, I think, is on the open line now. Glenn, good morning. How you going, mate? How do you follow up on that, Glenn?
5: Oh, very difficult, very difficult.
2: (laughs) Off you go.
26: Mate, I'm just wondering... Has, have you tried to get Craig Kelly on the radio to defend his position or uh, discuss his position?
2: No, oh, Craig Kelly. No, he probably won't. It, look, he's a little like everybody in the Morrison government. They don't really know we exist or don't want to acknowledge we exist. I don't think we'll bother wasting our time uh, with getting Craig Kelly on the program. We can try, I guess, but I don't think they'll talk to me, mate. I'm too much of a lefty for them, apparently.
26: Well, I've never seen Craig Kelly shy away from an interview. He's done uh, ABC and everything, and I'd, I'd actually like you to try and get him All on. All right, well, we'll the, do that. The, re- the reason I say that, Marcus, is for years we've said about we're sick to death of politicians that just follow the party line and don't speak uh, their own mind. And there's a lot of questions, Marcus, that need to be answered. About? Well, hydroxychloroquine has been safe for 70 years and then all of a sudden it's a dangerous drug.
2: Yeah, all right, that's enough. No, I don't do it. Sorry, uh, whatever. Is that Roscoe or is it Glenn the Truckee? I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I I don't do it. I'm just not going to allow callers on air talking about something that they want to spruik as a cure for coronavirus. Sorry. No. I'm not that Pete Evans bloke. I'm not, not going to be that bloke either. Oh, he shut somebody else down. I can't believe it. Oh, I'm going to write a message to Bill. He's closed somebody else down. Didn't let him have their say. Uh, no, that's called being responsible. In my opinion. 13, 12, 69, the telephone number again. Can we get off the whole conspiracy line of rubbish that's going on about Trump and the COVID-19. It's not a hoax. It's real. People are dying and getting on and saying you shouldn't wear a mask and it's all rubbish and uh, we should be treated with, I don't know, something akin to a mosquito bug treatment or whatever it is. I know it's more important than that. I get that. But Again, as I've made very clear on my programs, I will just be referring to what the health advice is from both the Australian Federal Government and also the state governments and other jurisdictions. 13 12, 69. Arthur, good morning. Save me, Arthur. Hello, Marcus. How are you? Uh, all right, thank you.
27: Mate, you want to get John's shotgun for the last two. God strike, I can't believe that.
2: Well, I, I used it once.
27: <laughs> Mate, I just want to talk about a a, a nursing home Please. here in Newcastle. Yes, thank you. Now, a lifelong friend of mine has been there for a couple of years and I pick him up every Tuesday morning and take him for a couple of hour drive. And he's always down in the foyer waiting for me with the uh, people that look after him. I've been there and had breakfast with him. And I'll tell you what, uh, I have... Um, I, 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 get, I turn 84 next week, yeah. and I have instructed my daughter that when it gets time to be in one of those places, I want to go to Mayfield Aged Care in Newcastle.
2: All right, that's another one I'll put on my list. Can I do that? Thank you very, very
27: much, and they will appreciate it. It is absolutely marvellous. The staff is marvellous, and everybody that I talk to when I go and see Reg, they're very, very happy.
2: Excellent. Good to hear. Thank you, mate. Appreciate it. 131269, the telephone number. Frank, good morning.
28: Yes, good morning. G'day, Frank. Uh, Marcus, I wanted to um, talk to you about these nursing homes. Yep. Um, My wife is in a nursing home. She has dementia. And uh, she's been there for over six months now. And uh, and I'd have to give them uh, 100% accolades for the the treatment and the meals and everything else that goes with it. And uh, I was, can I mention their name? Absolutely, please. Yes, it's uh, Rana Gardens at, um, at Dubbo, mm-hmm. and I believe it's run by the RSL, and okay. uh, they do an absolutely fantastic job.
2: It's difficult, isn't it, uh, dementia, dealing with it, uh, yes. with a loved one. Uh, what's your wife's name? Uh, Mary. And at what stage is Mary at at the moment?
28: Uh, well advanced. Okay.
2: Uh and what's her routine like on a daily basis?
28: Well, it varies really. They they have activities there. Mm-hmm. Um and, uh, and they have games and uh, uh you know general interest sort of activities. Good. And she's uh, not one to be participating in you know the the likes of bingo and so forth, sure. but uh they, they they encourage her to do that and yep. and to be interactive with the uh, the other resident um, and she's she's coming along quite well. Nice. She, uh, she appears as much as it can be yep. to be happy there.
2: Oh, that's good. And if you don't mind me being a little personal, but uh, you know, how do you go, uh, Frank, when you're you're talking to Mary? She recognises you. She understands what's happening.
28: Not all the time. Yeah.
2: See that that must be very tough. Yeah, it is a bit. Yeah. Sorry, mate. I didn't want to make you upset (laughs) because I know that uh, it's uh, very difficult for people who – loved ones who are caring for uh, people with dementia. Uh, You put them into uh, a home and obviously you you feel that they're happy there and you want them to be as happy as they possibly can be. What's one of the the best things about Mary – Frank. Well,
28: yes. Uh, we, we've been married uh, now for sixty odd years. Oh, beautiful,
2: um, beautiful. And you remember the day you uh, you first met Mary? Do you, Frank? Yes, I do. Yeah. Yeah. And how did that happen?
28: Oh, uh, we, we we were uh, extremely young at the time. Uh, yeah. I was sixteen. Mary was
2: fifteen. Wow! Yeah, and um, we, we met at a at a dance. Actually, nice, nice. Whereabouts, mate? If you don't mind me asking, in in Sydney or in the country? In Sydney, yes. In Sydney, yes. yeah. All right. Well, she's there at Arana Gardens in Dubbo, being very well cared for. Uh, look, thank you so much for the call. Uh, all the best. To you, uh, look, Frank, I can hear the love in your voice when you talk about your darling Mary. And I, I know that she, uh, in her own way, would be appreciating everything that you do for her. Give her our love when you see her next. You're seeing her today, are you? Yes, I'm on my way there now. Okay, yeah. mate. Well, look, you take care and let's talk again soon. And um, chin up. I know it's a little difficult, Frank, but we do need to talk about it because unfortunately it's something that happens to a lot of elderly people. And I'm sure that uh, people do feel your pain, but uh, Mary is still Mary, even though from time to time it might appear that she's not. But, Frank, um, and thank you for sharing the story with us.
28: Thank you. Okay. Thanks for taking the call.
2: My pleasure. Bye-bye. All right, welcome back to the program. Plenty of people wanting to have their say. And uh, look, again, as soon as we start mentioning aged care, the phones here at the Fortress at the John Law's Morning Show ring off the hook. See, these are the issues, in my mind, that we should be discussing rather than (laughs) hydroxychloroquine. Okay. Anyway, so I'll get to that in just a couple of moments. Those calls, uh, please. Be patient with me, I'll get to you after the news, Stephanie, Kay, Gary, Um, and if you want to, you know, give a a shout out to a wonderful facility in the aged care sector, then by all means do it. I'm starting to collate a great list here, and I want to hear your stories. I really do want to hear your stories. It's important for me, in my opinion, that we get the information out there, Um, because one day. Like it or not, we're all going to be old and we all have to face a decision at some point in our lives, what we are going, you know, which way we're going to head with our loved ones in, you know, their twilight years. Are they going to go to a nursing home? Are they going to go into assisted living? If they're lucky and their health enables it, as we would all like to do is, live our lives out in our own home, in our private homes, But as we know life often has other ideas and that's not the way it happens. Anyway, we'll get more of your calls on that after our news. And now also after the news, 10 o'clock news, New South Wales Daylight Saving Time, of course. I want to talk a little about a couple of issues in New South Wales. First and foremost I'll play a little bit of a, a chat that I had with the Health Services Union this morning. Lismore City Council have re well they've gone back on a decision to provide free parking at the Lismore Base Hospital during the pandemic. Now they're going to start charging again. So I'll talk about that and also the eye care scandal in New South Wales. A waste of public money by the Berejiklian government details soon. Give me a call. Let me know what's on your mind this morning. That telephone number 131269. And if you'd like to send uh, a text to the fortress, 0458049209 is the te- uh, text number there. All right, we got 15 minutes to clear out the White House before Biden moves in.
8: Take anything that's not nailed down. Mm, this copper will fetch a pretty penny at the Chinese market. Mr. President, um the used car dealer. Yeah, you have a car for sale? Right, the presidential limo? She's a sweet ride. $1,500? Make it $1,200. That's called the art of the deal. Biden's on his
1: way. All right, everybody
8: up! <laughs> I've left a surprise for little old Joe. Some smart, very smart, stable genius booby traps.
1: It's been an honor serving you, sir.
8: I'm the best thing that ever happened to you, baby. I still need to leave my presidential goodbye letter. I wrote it in stinking. Booby
4: trap. (laughs) Hey, I paid for four. I gotta get out of (laughs) here.
8: I hope you like purple nurples, Biden. Ow! 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 It's me, you idiot. Well, at least that was the last one. Hello? Anyone home? Help! I'm trapped (laughs) in a bucket! I've been there. Help!
2: (laughs) (laughs) Alright, if you want to have a look at the cartoon spitting image as Trumpy vacates the Oval Office for Biden... Uh, It's on our uh, social media hashtag, Marcus Paul in the morning. All right, very soon I'm going to have a chat to Daniel Mookie uh, from the state opposition in New South Wales about the latest waste of public funds uh, going to, yes, you guessed it, uh, another uh, bunch of Liberal mates, Price Waterhouse Coopers. $300,000 Three hundred thousand dollars a month, just for I care to find out exactly uh, where they've gone wrong. It's unbelievable the money that's been wasted by our elected politicians. Meantime, a couple of callers to get through first. Norman, good morning. How are you? Are you there, Norman? Yes, I am. Hello, Norman. What's on your mind, please?
5: Uh, good day. Look, um, I heard the previous gentleman talking about. You know, his wife uh, had uh, in trouble and that sort of thing. Mary, but yes. uh, Marcus, um, my wife and I—we're both ninety-four, yeah—and uh, we've been married in this twenty-fifth uh, of uh, February this year. We've been yeah. married seventy-one years.
2: Wow! Congratulations yeah. to you, Norman. Yeah. What, what's your wife's name? Valerie. Norman and Valerie—a love story. How yeah, many? Well, how many years? That,
5: we uh, we covered up when we went to school in in. Um, in the early days of our school life in, uh, say, 1938 or 39. Yeah. And uh, we stayed together all those years. I'd done uh, three years away in the army.
2: Thank you. Uh,
5: and we carried on our love affair with correspondence and that sort of thing. Gorgeous. And uh, naturally, with a, such a long span of life, we've had our ups and downs and yes. uh, marriages and deaths and things like that. And, uh my, I lost my oldest brother at El Alamein. He got killed in action there. Oh, mate, I'm sorry. And my wife's brother, he turned 21 on the 24th of June, and he was killed in action on the 13th of July.
2: Boy, oh, boy.
5: So yeah. we've had our tragedies, mm. but we've stuck together.
2: That's wonderful. That and really we've run
5: uh, several businesses and that's between us, and uh, unfortunately... She's uh, she got hit with a bad stroke, yeah, and she's in a nursing home now. Okay,
2: how's she being cared for, Norman? Are you happy with her care?
5: Well, she's in a place called uh, Bishop Turrell Home out in the. I come from Taurite, mm-hmm. and uh, it's a lovely home, and she's getting well cared for there. Yep. And as a matter of fact, this morning I'm going up to uh, get her out and bring her out and take her out for lunch somewhere.
2: Oh, that'll be lovely, Norman. Ninety-four, yeah. did you say you were? Eighty-four. Ninety-four, is that...? Yes, is that? That, oh. that's right, yes, yes, And married
5: to your lovely wife for how long? Well, it'll be 71 years on the 25th of February this year.
2: Can you make sure you give us a call back and let us know about this anniversary, 71 years? That's amazing, Norman. Congratulations to yes. you.
5: Yeah, and uh, I like listening to your uh, show. I think you're very Thank you. uh, constructive Thank you. and uh, straight to the point. Thank and, you. Uh, that's it. Thanks very much for that, and thanks for taking the call. It's my
2: pleasure, Norman. You, you have a wonderful
5: day. You would day. like to know something about, you know, the aged care and that yeah. sort of thing. Yep. And I thought you, you might be interested if I give you a little call about what we went through and that sort of
2: thing. Well, it's been lovely chatting to you. Uh, Bishop Tyrrell-Atari looking after your loved one. Yeah, yeah. we're
5: still in love with each other. What about that?
2: that? That's amazing. It's just incredible. It really is. It it is. All right. Thank you, Norman, for the call. Thank you uh, for your family's service. Thank you for taking the call. All right, mate. All the best. Bye-bye. Stephanie, hello.
29: Good morning, Marcus. Thank you for taking my call.
2: Pleasure, Steph. What's on your mind?
29: I'd like to talk about a retirement village in Cowra. Yes. The name is Biliara. Yep. And the dementia side of it is the Ganya Cottage, where my mother is at the moment. Yep.
0: Okay.
29: Uh, It's excellent. Absolutely excellent. The care is amazing. Good. The meals are all home cooked. Yep. They have heaps of activities. They take them on outings. They have people that come in and perform there for them. Mm. And, uh, look, I give them 100%.
2: What was it called again? Bilyara. Bilyara. B-I-L-Y-A-R-A. Retirement Village. And whereabouts again? Did you say Cowra?
29: Cowra, New South Wales. I love it.
2: Okay. I bet the gardens are gorgeous there.
29: Absolutely beautiful. The gardeners, the people, everyone's lovely. Yeah. And I, I, I just can't speak highly enough of them. They're just amazing.
2: And if you don't mind my asking, at what stage is Mum at?
29: Um, well, she knows me when I come in, and we have a little bit of a conversation, and then she wanders off. Yeah. But look, I am, I'm happy to go away and leave her because the staff are just so beautiful.
2: Well, isn't that it, comforting for you?
29: It is, and Mum has even said to me, she said, I love these
2: Well, that would bring some some joy to you knowing that, you know, uh, mum is happy. Uh, That's what it's all about. And I'm loving hearing these positive stories uh, about, uh, you know, people's experiences in nursing homes. We know that, you know, some of the stats aren't nice. But it's great to be able to turn it around this morning to hear some positive stories.
29: Yeah, and we can go up and have meals with them. We can take them out, but, of course, Mum's not able to go out now. She's going on for 94, uh, 95,
2: actually. 95, wow. What's Mum's name? Um, Helen. All right, well, all the best to you and and Helen, and thank you so much for the call, Stephanie. You look after yourself. And thank you very much for taking my call. All the best. Bye-bye. Gary, good morning. You there? Yes, Gary, how are you, mate?
30: Yeah, g'day, Marcus. I'm going well. Yourself? Yeah, can't complain. Can't complain. Beautiful shot, day. Mate, um, just one more call, uh, if you will. Please. Praising the uh, the care and compassion of a nursing home up at uh, Shoal Bay.
2: What's it called,
30: Gaz? In the Port Stephens area. Mm-hmm. Um, Bill King Aged Care Facility, it's mm-hmm. called.
0: Mm-hmm.
30: I've had uh, both my parents in there. Uh, sadly, uh, they both passed away. Last year, oh, dear. Um, but mum was in there for uh, five years and dad was in there for um, just under a year. And uh, mate, I just cannot speak highly enough of uh, all the staff uh, that were involved in their care over that time from the uh, catering side to the um, Nurses and the um, maintenance staff they are just a fantastic place, and it gives you so much um, uh, comfort yes that, it does uh, it? to know that uh, you know your loved ones are being uh, looked after well, that's at right. that time of their life they were ninety two and ninety years of age when they uh, died, so yes. they had a good life, yep. Um, but it was made uh, that little much uh, better for us, knowing that they are in good care.
2: All right. Well, look, I'm, I'm really appreciative of these stories. Uh, Bilking aged care at Shoal Bay. Uh, Gary, it's good to hear uh, that there are a lot of positive stories out there. We're hearing them this morning, and uh, we're more than happy uh, to give a plug uh, to those facilities that are doing the right thing, absolutely, in, in, in light of what the awful stats have proved that we, we brought to you yesterday. Uh, we, we are, of course, very, very uh, uh, determined uh, to change the system, to try and, you know, put people before profit. I think that's, you know, and the stories we're hearing, as nice as they are, I mean, they shouldn't be extraordinary, really. And that's the problem. Uh, we should, all of these wonderful stories about all these facilities that we're putting to wear this morning is what we should expect. I mean, at the end of the day, these are our most vulnerable Australians, people who have paid taxes their entire lives, people who have brought up children, who've helped build and construct our country. The least they deserve is respect, understanding, care and compassion and above all else, dignity in their final years. All right, I'm going to take a break. When we come back, I want to catch up with Daniel Mookie, the Shadow Minister for Finance and Small Business in New South Wales. He says that ICARE have been caught navel-gazing on taxpayers' dime. They've been busted spending hundreds of thousands of dollars on an internal cultural review. The figures will have you shaking your head.
1: Marcus Paul in the morning filling in for John Laws I thank Marcus, he's a very good broadcaster full stop, we love this industry, we love what we're doing, Marcus wouldn't mind doing a double at all. Marcus Paul in the morning call 13 12 69
2: Alright, back to your emails and calls and SMS's in just a moment just wanted to let my New South Wales listeners, what value for money they're getting from our state government. We've all heard of the scandal plagued I care. It's the insurer that's, well, look, the list of misdemeanours is about as long as my arm. Well, not quite, probably longer. But the latest, again, has me even shaking my head further. Labor's slamming the New South Wales Treasurer, Dominic Perrottet. I mean, it, it is his baby I care, has been from the very start. Why, again, that... <laughs> They're wasting more of their members' money. Let's find out exactly what the figure is and what's going on. Daniel Mookie uh, is the state opposition's uh, spokesperson for finance and small business. Daniel, good morning. Welcome to the program.
31: Good morning, Marcus, and
2: happy new year to you
31: and to your listeners as well.
2: Thank you, mates. Uh, Look, uh, I mentioned the, the misdemeanor list is as long as my arm. It's probably longer, mate. What's happening now?
31: Well, uh, we found out this morning that iCare uh, handed an $890,000 contract to uh, one of the Big 4 accounting firms, PricewaterhouseCoopers, to do a culture review last October. This was $890,000 for just 3 months worth of work inquiring into iCare's culture and its governance. Now, this comes three oh, yep. separate inquiries three separate inquiries that have already been undertaken mm. into ICARE. And my point is really simple here. care doesn't need to be spending close to a million dollars on another navel-gazing exercise when we know that the organisation lacks governance, lacks policies and lacks appropriate personnel that are worthy of the trust of employers and injured workers in this state.
2: But haven't they recently changed the board? I mean, we saw a number of uh, top-level executives from ICARE show them the door, and they brought in somebody else uh, with a better background. I mean, this hasn't been set up under the new regime, surely not.
31: Well, that's ultimately a question for the Treasurer and ICARE to... Ex-
2: oh, I don't know what's happened to I- your phone there, Daniel. Sorry, just repeat that, mate. We, we missed that bit. Sorry, I hope you can hear me now. i got you, mate, yep.
31: Yeah, I'm just saying uh, that's ultimately a matter for iCare and its board to answer as to who decided that this was a worthwhile expenditure of money. But I just think that if you're an employer in New South Wales, if you're a sick and injured worker in New South Wales, the one thing you want to see is a new management team brought into this organisation from outside. Uh, Confidence cannot return to the New South Wales Workers' Compensation Scheme if the same people who ran it into the ground are left in charge and you don't need to spend close to a million dollars with a big four accounting firm to dis- to understand that this organization needs a gra- a Overhaul from the bottom
2: up. Oh, absolutely. Well, let's have a look at some of their greatest hits. iCare handed $4 million in salary and bonuses to its eight top executives uh, in 2019, despite the agency losing $873 million. 200 of its 1,200 staff were also handed bonuses, and this comes on top of the fact that Care underpaid. 52,000 workers up to $80 million. iCare overpaid dodgy doctors hundreds of millions of dollars in duplicate and fraudulent payments. iCare paid for two secret political advisers in Dominic Perrottet's personal office. The list goes on and on. I mean, they even tried to eject thousand workers from the compensation system to offset the scheme's growing losses. I mean, this thing's been a basket case.
31: It has been a basket case, and it's no surprise that both employers and sick and injured workers are up in arms about what's gone wrong in the New South Wales Workers' Compensation Scheme. You don't often get employers and sick and injured workers agreeing on March, but they do agree that under ICARE's previous management, the scheme was run into the ground. And ultimately, it's the treasurer who is responsible here. We elect the treasurer to maintain oversight and to make sure that this organisation is delivering... It is the treasurer's baby like care. It's for him to fix this organisation.
2: I mean, what? again, it's almost as if, you know, it's been swept under the carpet by the biggest, uh, you know, broom that Gladysborough, Berejiklian and Dominic Perrottet could find. Let's go through a couple of other misdemeanours, shall we? iCare's CEO resigned after it emerged that the C- the uh, iCare itself handed his wife a contract. iCare's CEO and other top executives took undisclosed sponsored trips to Las Vegas paid for by a multi-million dollar contractor to the agencies. Uh, iCare's top executives took 30... Uh, took. 36 foreign trips in 4 years 10 times more than their regulator. They faced an ICAC referral for handling a handing an $11 million marketing contract to a company secretly owned by a top executive at the agency. I mean people have lost their jobs for far less. But Ministers have stood down for far less but it's almost as, as if there's nothing to see here.
31: Yeah, and I I remain astonished that neither the Premier or the Treasurer are prepared to acknowledge that this organisation has failed and it's failed under their watch because you're quite right. Lots of other people in lots of other types of work have lost their jobs for a lot less than this. But after 10 years i just worry that this government doesn't think that the rules apply to themselves anymore and I think that they think that they can get away with anything uh, and they won't be held to account. The difference is is that this time sick and injured workers and employers are angry about what's gone wrong because ultimately that list of misdemeanours has been paid for by small businesses and big businesses with the money that was meant to help sick and injured workers get back to their health and get back to their jobs.
2: Mm. Uh, I'm just having a look here. Uh, the independent review that I've discussed at length with you before showed that in 46% of claims handled by the agency, iCare failed to follow the relevant law. And yet we had the Treasurer not long ago turning around and telling State Parliament in New South Wales, down there on Macquarie Street, that ICARE had done a quote-unquote superb job.
31: I I think the Treasurer has uh, shown himself to be out of touch. And you're you're right to laugh because you can't... What other reaction can you have when you get told that this agency, this $38 billion agency, was breaking the law in 46% of cases and you have the Treasurer standing up on the floor of the Parliament, the People's House, saying that the management team has done a superb job and they deserve to be applauded. You couldn't make it up.
2: Well, you know, uh, let's be honest, the members of iCare, that is the police, nurses, prison guards, teachers, frontline workers that have done so well during the COVID-19 pandemic damn well deserved a lot better.
31: Oh, you're absolutely right. Anybody who is helping maintain uh, law and order, anybody who is on the front lines of this battle against COVID deserves to know that the workers' compensation scheme that is meant to have their back is beyond reproach. Uh, Not a single nurse, hospital cleaner or paramedic can have confidence that the workers' compensation scheme is being run properly until the Treasurer is prepared to acknowledge and take responsibility for what's gone wrong.
2: All right. Good to talk to you. Uh, We'll catch up again soon, Daniel. Thanks,
31: Marcus. Thanks for having me on.
2: All right. There he is, Daniel Mookie uh, from the New South Wales opposition. If I sound cranky about it, I am. Uh, The reason I am is because no one has really taken responsibility for this. Uh, and it doesn't get a lot of coverage in uh, the mass media, and I think that's a shame. Because at the end of the day, <laughs> there's just seemingly no accountability for the misuse of what is members' funds. It's a state government-run organisation, I care. And it's the Treasurer of New South Wales' baby. Now, if the Treasurer can't oversee this agency without all of the misdemeanours that we've mentioned, then how on earth can he be responsible enough to look after the multi-billion dollar economy that is New South Wales? All right, we've put a call into Mr Ivermectin's office. (laughs) Um, Craig Kelly. Um, We'll see how we go. One of his greatest hits in the last 24 hours has been on social media, on Facebook, having a crack at uh, the ABC for spreading misinformation. He says, sadly, it's typical of the ABC to parrot Labor's lies, and this is shocking reporting from the ABC, posting links to studies and research published in various medical journals as I have done, is not misinformation, it's the actual results of studies. Time will tell whether these studies are right or wrong, and somewhere in between time will tell, but they are not misinformation. Uh, Alright, well anyway, we put a call in uh, to Mr Ivermectin, Craig Kelly, and we'll see what happens. Um, Either today or at some point this week, we're told. Uh, I think, Mr. Kelly, you are spreading misinformation and I think you're quite dangerous, to be honest. One of my pet hates, as you know, is parking fees at hospitals. Hospitals, uh, whether it's people working there as staff in hospitals or whether it's People going there for appointments with doctors or specialists or whether you're visiting a loved one, a relative or a mate who's sick. Hospitals should not be revenue raising operations for local councils and state governments. Now, The Health Services Union is calling on Lismore City Council to stop being greedy and to reconsider a decision to cancel its free all day street parking scheme for staff and visitors to Lismore Base Hospital. The cancellation of the popular successful scheme is slated for next Monday, after it was introduced last April as a goodwill measure during the COVID-19 pandemic. Now, not only will uh, visitors of patients have to pay for parking now, those that are going to get a covid-19 test will also have to pay for parking and on average i mean talk about treating his staff as cash cows 480 bucks a year will need to be spent by staff who are working harder than ever during the covid-19 pandemic just for you know just to be able to get to work Gerard Hayes is from the Health Services Union. I spoke to him earlier this morning. Here's a little of what he had to say about it's it.
10: It's going to make it so much harder. We've, we've worked incredibly well throughout the, uh, 2021 in, t- in dealing with the pandemic. We're now at the point where we can sort of see light at the end of the tunnel and putting any kind of roadblocks in the way is just absolutely ridiculous. The uh, Council have done the right thing right throughout 2021 in terms of parking and now we're at the the, the uh, final area hopefully yeah. uh, and they're putting roadblocks
2: Box well, they are, and look, I was um, hoping that their um, wonderful gesture was copied and shared by a number of councils and hospitals around New South Wales. Was that the case in any way, shape or form? Did others do something similar or...?
10: Absolutely. There's some fantastic councils um, who have really got on board and sort of seen the level of problem that there is with the pandemic. Bankstown Council is one of them, uh, that they've really stood up and sort of cared for their community, cared for the health workers. Uh, Now, it's just short-sighted at this point in time, particularly, as you well pointed out, uh, vaccines aren't too far away. We want people to be able to get to health facilities to be able to have those vaccines, and these sorts of limitations are just
32: very silly.
2: All right, well, we're broadcasting into Lismore via 2LM. Let me know. Uh, If you're listening to us up there, are you annoyed by this? Um, The council's... Well, it's not really a backflip, but they're reverting to now charging people to park at Lismore Base Hospital. My concern is that it'll give the green light to other councils and other hospitals around New South Wales to follow suit and do the same. The other issue, of course, is we've got a state government that's screaming at us to go and get a COVID test. Well, I don't know, uh, some of the waiting times to get a COVID-19 test at public hospitals is up to two or three hours are you happy to pay for parking while you're waiting to get a COVID test? No, I didn't think so. All right. Hello, Julie. Are you there? Yes, I'm
4: still here.
2: Hi, Julie. Um, Thanks for holding on, sweetheart.
4: Um, no, look, I, I have to be a little bit ignorant because I don't know what I care's all about. But then, you know, I don't watch the news. More, more than I have to. Well, I, I care. I ones.
2: care. Julie is the insurer uh, that looks after the workers' compensation for public, uh, well, bottom tier public servants. Uh, those frontline workers, your doctors, your nurses, your teachers. All oh, right. Uh, not okay. doctors, rather nurses, teachers, and all of the frontline yep. workers during COVID nineteen. That's the best way of describing it in New South Thank Wales. You. That is yes.
4: That'll do. That's fine. Now, what I was going to... I was off the air for a long time because the phone call came in and I don't know whether anyone has told you what a wonderful place the Wingham Nursing Home is.
2: Well, now you have and I thank you for that.
4: Wingham Nursing right, My group. husband was in there for nearly two years. It's run by it's uh, run by the Masonic Lodge. It's yeah. a non for profit mm-hmm. organisation, which I think is what we need to look for when we're be. putting people in.
0: Yep.
4: Oh yes, but I'm just saying the non for profit. Uh, the care up there was just nothing but love and concern. The most beautiful meals. When I happened to be there when Petey was. Having his lunch charity, he would got to go home to, oh, I can smell that beautiful food. Good. You know, and and the care. Everybody is loved. Well, it was, uh, you know, I haven't been there very much. he uh, been died in um, June, but when the COVID came in, you know, yeah. I was several weeks without seeing him. Oh, that must But have I been did hard. know I didn't. Well, it was harder for him or, because he didn't really understand very much about it but that's okay um i had no worries i just had no worries i knew that he would be treated i always felt they treated everybody as though they were the most important person in the world and and that is it and i will always be very grateful for their treatment if i ever need to go to a nursing home i know where my number one approach will be
2: Well, that's lovely, and thank you so much for your call and sharing that on the Wingham Nursing Home. Thank you, Julie. You take care. Joy, J-O-Y. All right. Thank you, Joy. Bye-bye. Maureen, good morning. How are you? Maureen, are you there? Oh, yes. Hello. Hello, Hello, Maureen.
24: (laughs) Oh, I nearly went to sleep.
33: (laughs) Oh, sorry about um, that. Pardon?
2: I'm sorry. Did I nearly put you to sleep, sweetheart?
33: no. No. I was waiting. I'm I'm yes. sitting here with with my head in my hands, waiting, waiting, waiting. But I, I just rang about Stephen Smith.
2: Steve Smith, yes.
33: Yeah, I just think um I think the Indian people are trying to uh, do playing little mind games with Stephen because obviously Maybe. he's still got a bit of um well I would say he still has worry about that previous ball tampering episode. And, and they're, they're figuring that that's perhaps his Achilles heel is to accuse him of cheating. Hmm. I don't I'd, think he would knowingly cheat through a game of cricket. Well, I would hope after not. What after has been through yes,
2: before. you'd hope not. Look, my concern, Maureen, I've been a cricketer in my time and I've played, not at a high level, but certainly... Did you cheat? Uh, no, but I certainly, uh, if I was a fielder, uh, I would not approach the batsman's crease and start scruffing away with my spikes. Uh, I don't, I'm not saying it's a, it's something that he's done uh, to cheat, but he's really, um, you know, any cricketer will tell you that when you when the team that's batting is there at the crease, that's their domain. I mean, you wouldn't like a batsman who's also a bowler. Let's just say an all-rounder. You wouldn't like him messing with, I don't know, the run-up, if you like, or whatever, of um, the bowler at that time. Look, Steve Smith, great Australian cricketer. Really, uh, you know, somebody who we need to admire, support. Uh, But, Steve, stay away from the batsman's crease when you're not batting, mate. I I think that's the best option. Ron, good morning, mate. Good morning, how are you? All right, thank you. Ronnie, what's on your mind?
32: Uh, well, are you talking about the... Eye, um, eye care? The ...health minister, uh, I think you were speaking
2: to? Uh, uh, no. The shadow. I was sp- speaking to the shadow um, minister who's... Uh, let me just double-check. I want to get his detail right. Anyway, I'll come back to that, but, yeah, I was talking to the state opposition about eye care this morning, Yes.
32: That's right. And yet you, you come out with some terrible figures of uh, what they've spent and overspent and et cetera, et cetera.
34: Yeah, the, uh, Daniel Mookie.
32: Something I know a little bit about because uh, that's how I started on radio first when I had a problem at, uh, with my eyes.
2: Right, yeah.
32: A certain doctor, a certain hospital. And through the station, I I got the care that I needed. And it was in a, a terrible mess. It was a hospital. It was sort of. Closed. I went there and I, I couldn't get in because it had been closed for two two years, two and a half right. years. The, the eye clinic at the, at the Hospital. And uh you're not. Conf- hang, on, hang, on, hang on, hang on, hang
2: <laughs> on. Sorry, Ronnie, you're not confusing eye care as in e i. Sorry, e y e care and i care. The letter i care. I think you might be.
32: Big one. Yes.
2: Did you hear me? <laughs> I can hear you, Ronnie. I think, you, I think you're a little confused. Eye care is the state government's compensation scheme. Anyway, tell me the story about your eye situation. Well, I've got a
32: bad light. You know what? I've got two lines coming through. And I just walked up the road to get a better reception, and then you come in and I can hear you. So I, all I heard was the, uh, the trouble with the with eye care, and I uh, immediately this uh, sort of yeah. Sort of no,
2: that's like, okay. No, apologise. Okay. No, no, not no problem at all. No problem at all. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, eye care is the, uh, the the government's compensation uh, scheme for right. uh, frontline workers, and it's been. Uh, scandal plagued uh, with this mismanagement uh, of funds etc but your story on care is the one i'm interested in not in the compensation fund but your uh. actual eyes so what's going on with your eyes ronnie well, I, as you know, I, uh, that
32: happened. It was, um, well, to be honest it, it was butchered. And I uh, oh. got into, uh, I, I left the next day because I had a, a one, probably one of the best doctors I, doctors in, in Sydney. So right. I, I got into him as quickly as I could. And when I got in, he, he checked my eyes and he said, it's a good thing you come." well, he said, what the hell's happened to you? I had all bandages up on me. He said, what the hell's happened to you? He said, I told him and he checked me out and he said, I've got to get you into hospital straight away. You could be blind by the morning. Oh, it's goodness. Good you've come in. Oh, and, right. And uh, 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 Dr. Lowey's name was he was in charge of the principal Albert uh, eye hospital, and uh, he saved my eyesight.
2: Well, that's good to hear. Yeah. You need your eyesight. Yeah, and how's yeah, your vision
32: oh, oh, today? It's fabulous. It's not perfect. No. Um, uh, that was the good eye, and the bad eye, because the, the right, uh, other eye had been Legally blind for, for some time, but uh, the second time I went back, then I got some previous work just in recent years, yeah. and they brought the right one back a fair bit.
2: Okay, so you can almost see through both of them. It's almost yeah, like you've got. Yeah, I yeah,
32: can. Okay. Well, I can see. I could only see a little bit on the right hand side, but I can see right across, but not really clear. but... Uh...
2: I see. <laughs> what are you shaking it out there for, Scruff? Thank you, Ronnie. It's almost like he's got twenty twenty one 21 vision. Oh, no, no, I know. My, my apologies. That was really bad. Um, almost as bad as Ronnie confusing what the hell we were talking about with eye care. Anyway, Ron, um, I'm glad that your eyesight has improved and yeah, I could, uh, it'd be awful being told by a doctor that you're at risk of losing your eyesight. Absolutely awful. 13-12-69, the telephone number, if you'd like to have you say. Um, G'day, Mick, are you there?
35: Oh, yeah, good morning there, Marcus. How are you doing today, all right?
2: All right, Mick.
35: Yeah, I heard you mention yeah, the um, BLM in your intro this morning. Mm. Um, we keep wanting to refer to history to justify minority group behaviour today. If I can just make this point, in cities like Chicago, which is 50% white, And 50% black, the blacks are committing 80% of the crime. It's no wonder they get more attention from the police. That's not racism. That's blacks behaving
2: badly. Well, that's just common sense, no matter what minor... uh, Sorry, no matter what uh, your background is, what colour of your skin is, uh, if if you're in uh, the group. But I guess the greater question is why, though? Why, uh, say, coloured people in certain sections of America um, uh, disproportionately offending? And I would argue because, unfortunately, there still exists... um, an unfair playing field out there. Sorry, but I, that's what I truly believe.
35: If I can just finish off the point um, there, Marcus, if I may.
2: But now, would you agree with what I've just said that there's. Yeah, yeah,
35: of, co- yeah, of course I agree with what you yeah. said, but sure. if, I, if I can just finish off my point, it'll become a bit clearer what I'm saying.
2: Okay, off you go.
35: Um, the, victims, the victims in this situation are the good African American people. That's not the fault of the police. It's the fault of the blacks who are committing
2: the crime. Well, I'm not arguing with that, absolutely. Uh, I so, mean, you
35: know, so if you have a high crime black area, for example, right, yes. and you have a decent upstanding African-American people who are driving through that area in yep. their SUV, yep. of course they are going to come under attention by the police simply based on human perception and the fact that it's a high crime black crime region.
2: Well, yes, and I guess you could equate that similarly here in Australia uh, with Indigenous... Well, of course you can.
35: It's, yes. it's the same as in Australia. So I, I think we're... A lot of times with the BLM and, 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 and the racist racism in America and this country, we're not looking at the other side of the argument. We're concentrating too much on white indiscretions of the past to base our argument on. We have to look at the other side of the argument. Minority group behavior today is out, is out of hand in America. There's no question about that. Yes. and We can't keep relying on past history to beat up on the white guys when these minority
2: groups are committing most of the crime. All right. We'll leave it at that. Thank you. Um, I appreciate your comments on this. Marcus Paul in the morning. Give me a call. 131269 if you'd like to have you say. Pete, are you there, Peter? Yeah, I am. How are you? All right, thank you, mate.
36: i oh, just that previous gentlemen. I'm um, mm. going to say all the wrong things here, but you've probably only got to look at Africa to a degree. <laughs> um, probably shouldn't have laughed um, then. No,
0: stereotypes,
36: okay. in, stereotypes in general. Stereotypes have been around for a long time, mm. and they're there for a reason. Um, I know they're a bit black and white, and people can say, oh, gee, you're, you're a bit mean. Um, and one, one other thing I'll just leave you on, um, just the state of things at the moment. Yeah. I think a lot, a lot of people think they're going to live forever. Well, we are yeah, here once, you're here for a brief time. Yes. And the, planet, the planet's a wonderful place. We live in a particularly wonderful part of that planet. We need to look after it so people, the next generation, can have their turn. Absolutely. We don't need to, we don't, we don't need to stamp a, a regime or a, a government thing to, you know, um, burden the next generation with. We have wonderful freedoms. We need to protect and Life's good. So let's just keep going down that road And um, some people Some people are different, you know and we just got to accept that fact And uh, when they get called different for being different There shouldn't be any problem
2: Well, look, to be honest So long as it doesn't affect uh, You know, my life in general uh, I'm very, very tolerant of, of people who have different opinions and, and different uh, outlooks on life and live their life differently. I mean, we are, I think overall, Australians are extremely tolerant. Um, oh,
36: you know. absolutely, in a big way. There's some I beautiful so. people out there yep. Uh, yep. globally. You know, I've so fortunate to travel nuts and made this seats. What's that saying? People are essentially good, very true. There is a lot of bad ones. And I think a lot of people are getting um, chicken winged up and... Uh, getting anxious and panicky about different things Just live your life how you see fit Don't inflict your views too heavily on others um, Respect other people's opinions And, um, you know, do, un- do one to others, essentially And, and enjoy life, life Well good. said watch out, watch out
2: for your mate And hopefully they'll watch out for you And we can all get on Sounds good to me Alright, mate, Sorry, great mate. call Appreciate it, thank you Have a good day Yeah, yeah you bye. too bye bye Thirteen, twelve, sixty nine. Uh, Lyle is there on the open line? Lyle, good morning. Are you there, Lyle? Uh, Lyle didn't hang on. We'll go to Rhonda instead. Hello, Rhonda. Hello. G'day, Rhonda. How are you? Hey, am I talking to Marcus? Uh, let me check. Yes, you are. It's Marcus here. How are you? Ah, oh,
37: thank you so much for taking my call. It's okay. Uh, and I want to thank you for bringing up the subject about aged care. Um, I listened to that ninety-four-year-old. Yes. Um, yep. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I looked after my dad in a nursing home. Yes. I rented a, 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 lot, a long story. Hmm. Um, um, Was it difficult?
2: Stopped. Was it difficult looking after your father?
37: Well, I lived up in the beautiful Tweed area. Yeah. It's gorgeous living up here. Anyway, I got a phone call from my sister that they put my they got power of attorney and um, they put him in a nursing home. Right. Uh, yeah, and I said, no, no, no. I looked after him up here and I put him on the plane, going back to mascot. Put him in the, uh, okay,
2: so you looked after I, him uh, and. Uh, what, um... Okay, he yeah. got put in
37: a nursing home from my sister's. I would have looked after him up here. Um, so when I found out he was in a nursing home, um, I packed the suitcase, a cabaret, like, in first, street coast. Right. And, um, then I flew down to... No, no, I got a train. A train. <laughs>
26: okay.
37: I, I live in the pension. Okay. And, um... And then I got a train and went to Nara. Yeah,
26: and I
37: got to Bommadary, and I said, oh, where's Carabara Beach? I need to get to Carabara Beach. Right. Well, that's the nursing home he was at. And I got there on the Friday. <laughs> and it was a suitcase, and I kicked my six adult children up here, and knew I was going there. He looked, he just Anyway, he had the biggest smile on his Oh, I, I bet there. he did.
2: I bet he did. Oh. Look at, at the end of the day, uh, people uh, who are in nursing homes, uh, even if they happen to be there for, you know, for the rest of their days, uh, they are yeah. all, they are always going to be overjoyed when they have family members visit. Uh, I
37: remember getting there with a the purple suitcase, and I still got that purple suitcase. Yeah, and he said, "I said to him, I'll be there Friday." Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's my on his
2: face. Ah, well, yeah. you remember that smile and you cherish those moments you had uh, with your dad. And no, I thank you for the call. We got there, I think, eventually. Neil, good morning. Good morning, Marcus. How are you? I'm okay, Neil. What's on your mind, uh, mate? I, I, well, I'm a builder. I've
17: been a builder all my life, I'm 82 years of age. I've been listening to John Laws for a lot of years, and he's a very fair-minded man, and so are you, and I want to nominate you for Prime Minister. I don't know how to go about doing that, but anyway.
2: That's the funniest thing I've heard all day. No, thank you. Yeah,
17: Yeah, (laughs) but you you don't realise I'm serious. Look, the other day you had a guy on that was saying that the politicians don't have the expertise to do the job they're supposed to do. I'll tell you why. When the, uh, the insulation came in, and ceilings, I'd yes. had mine done about 12 months before, and it cost me, I think, uh, $1,800. I had a guy come around that knew nothing about the building industry. I've had a building license all my life. Yes. And he said, oh, I want to give you a quote on the government. He quoted me $4,200. I said, listen, mate, it's already been done. And it was, I, I, I said, why are you so dear? Oh, he said, I'm just putting the government subsidy on there.
2: Uh, yeah, I
17: said, well, bugger off, excuse no. my language
2: No, but, and um, so you should have I mean, that whole uh, Pink but Bats but, but, debacle but, but it, was, it was brought about by the Labour Party Now,
17: I, yeah, I'm not a political person I think the Labour Party and the Liberal Party are very similar uh, but the the thing is, they make decisions. They don't follow them through. That should have been followed through by some ex, ex, people with expertise to make sure the prices were right and the job was doing properly. You may recall a couple of young kids got electrocuted. They did, it.
2: yeah. And we yeah, had, they had no knowledge. You yeah. know, young so men like, dying uh, in uh, rooftops. Uh, yeah, but, but
17: anyway, Marcus, Look, I, I think you're very fair-minded. I've thank been listening you, to John as long as he's been on the radio, and I'm listening to you, and you're doing a wonderful job, mate. Oh,
2: that's very kind of you, and thank you, Neil. Appreciate it. Look, uh, that whole incident regarding pink bats and uh, young blokes who are obviously well out of their depth and underqualified to be doing the work, um, you know, I don't want to go into too much detail, but, I mean, I think that's something that's sadly, uh, will follow and haunt then Prime Minister Kevin Rudd for the rest of his days. It was a brain fart and it really didn't do much at all, apart from making a few people some extra money. Some people did quite well out of it, but we lost lives and I think it overall was a waste, a waste of taxpayer money. Okay, uh, the latest news, sport and weather coming up. Then we're back for the final hour this morning. My telephone number, 13 12 69.
1: Broadcasting live from the Grant Goldman studio. You're listening to Marcus Paul. Somebody who
2: knew Grant better than almost anybody is his son. Dad would be proud, man. Doing a great job. Thanks very much. Appreciate it. This
1: is Marcus Paul in the morning.
2: All right, look, we've got something a little special coming up on our breakfast program on Friday. For fans of the late, great Grant Goldman, of which I have the pleasure of broadcasting out of a studio named in his honor, we are sadly approaching the one year anniversary of Grant's death. And on Friday, we'll be revisiting some of Grant's finest broadcasting moments um, and having a chat to members of his family. So I know that will please a number of uh, 2SM listeners that have followed uh, the late, great Greg Goldman uh, throughout his career. So I look forward to that. That's happening on Friday morning. I think he's called back. Lyle, are you there? Lyle? (laughs) Okay. All right, Lyle. Um, You get one more shot. What is it? Three strikes and you're out. Lyle. Uh, mate, just hold on please if you can Dale, are you there? Yes, Marcus, yeah, how are you? Well, thank you um, What That's about you,
15: shot? mate? I'm well, thanks, Marcus Yeah, good um, Marcus, I'm just ringing up in relation to uh, You are speaking to some Muppet there from about um, um Hang on
2: Yeah, very interesting S- Sorry, did you say you some op- Muppet? Yeah, sorry? Did you, you didn't say some Muppet, did you? I did, actually, mate, yes. Why? Yeah. Why, why would you call why? Daniel a Why, because I've just spent uh,
15: the best part of three and a half years going through workers' compensation and so forth, right from the beginning to the very end. Yeah. And, um, you know, uh, mate, it's... Study hard work. we um... no, well, hang
2: on a sec. I just want to correct you. Um, Daniel Mookie is on your side. He's the one that's calling out all of the BS in relation to workers' compensation. So, anyway, let's get back to your point. You're, you're having some trouble. Um,
15: just a point of interest, Marcus. Has he actually been through the workers' comp system?
2: Yeah, but he's, he's supporting a better, faster resolution process, and he's also... Um, Campaigning against the misuse of funds by Eye Care itself. I mm. mean, he's he's one of the whistleblowers on this. He's he's from the state opposition. He's got nothing to do with Eye Care itself apart from trying to keep the state government and the treasurer Dominic Perrettay to account, which is what we should be doing.
15: Well, that's correct. But yeah. um, I, I I believe myself personally, it's such a conflict of interest between the bottom end where people are bent, broken, and bruised, and yeah. the top end where the shareholders are, make there's a hell of a gap there and there's a lot of people that are really hurting in that gap. And um... Oh,
2: I agree with you. Oh, I absolutely agree with you, Dale. That's why, that's why we need to call out the BS. And, and look, I don't think it's fair that people like you, and I, I think I've heard your story before, whereby, you know, you're waiting... Uh, Years to get a resolution to your compensation payout or whatever it is, Mm, mm. and yet you know, executives at the top level of eye care are taking overseas holidays or they're spending you know nearly a million dollars just to find out what's wrong with the system in the first place. Well, that's right. I've spent the
15: last three and a half years going through it, and I've actually just um, come to the point, the end of things, where resolution has been made and found, and, and I don't have to be sort of micromanaged by idiots, I guess, and um. I can get on with my life. I broke my neck in a work work accident. And um, I've uh, got titanium holding myself together. And um, unfortunately, I had to retire. I'm 53 now, but I can't work Uh you know, from now till retirement. But what happened, mate? If you,
2: if you don't mind me asking, what happened? I
15: bro? I, I uh, had a four metre fall and uh, t- ended up landing on something soft, which was my bloody head, and um, <laughs> I uh, oh fractured uh, C four, five, six vertebrae. And um, you've virtually got to, you know, um, what's the word? You've got to uh, not display. You've got to present, um, you know, like pretty bashed up before things get I guess identified and of course clearer things are the the less people want to see of it so
0: Mm. you know I'm
15: lucky I had a physical uh, I've got a disability out of it but that's beside the point but I'm fortunate that I got a physical (coughs) uh, something that can be seen rather than these poor poor uh, you know I won't say poor people but these people that are just battling like hell because of I won't call it a mental illness it could be an unhealthy mind it could be a life adjustment anything but if it's unseen, it's jolly hard to 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 get it out there to to the right people to be seen. Because well,
2: that's right, Marcus.
15: There are yeah. a lot of a lot of snouts and one big trough.
2: All right, mate. Um, yes, there are, and all we can do here uh, is try and hold those who are supposed to be looking after these big funds like the amount of money that's collected by care and we need to ensure that, uh, you know, the pr- correct processes are in place that sees people looked after. I mean, that's what the scheme was set up for, not for executives to swan around uh, the world to travel to L.A. and Las Vegas and, you know, and, uh, oh, look, I don't want to go on about it anymore. I, I think I've done it to death, ICARE. Uh, the list of misdemeanours is long, uh, just do a Google search on the drama with eye care and you'll, you'll shake your head. That's, you know, I've almost got a headache because I've talked about this and talked about this for the last three to four months ever since. Uh, there were changes at the top, which the Treasurer, Dominic Perret, it's his baby. Um, you know, they, I would hate to think that this new regime that's in charge of eye care. Are the ones behind this nearly one million dollars spend on naval gazing? I would really hope to hell that that's not the case. If it is, it would appear that lessons have not been learned. <music> Hello, Mike. Are you there? Yeah, Mike. I'm here. Are you Hello, Mike. Me? Yeah, I got you there, mate. How are you? Yeah,
38: yeah, good. How are you
2: doing? Good, buddy. What's on your mind?
38: Hey, so I, I just came on. I uh, just heard the the to talk about blm i just is that something we can still talk about i don't want to waste too much time if you spent too much time on it it was it's been in the news here so
2: no no if you want to uh, have a comment on it absolutely mike that's what the open line's for what did you want to say
38: yeah i I mean i just i i heard the news at the top top of the hour and it basically said that the um that all lives matter is somehow equated to the alt-right and i think we have to be careful with frames i mean i've We could just as easily say Black Lives Matter is associated with, you know, the alt-left or whatever. So I I see a lot of games being played with framing. And and I think we have to be careful in terms of the assumptions. I don't know anyone that's ever said Black Lives Don't Matter. I think it's also a straw man. I mean, I I just want to share this with you as an American that's that's lived here for a while. I I see these games with information. Sorry.
2: Yep, I understand,
38: yes yeah so it just concerns me like over here that i'm seeing the same type of framing i mean we all care about everybody but for some reason if you say all lives matter that doesn't mean the frame is the other way and this the second thing i wanted to bring up to you was um if you actually did a search on google trends for black lives matter i noticed this after hillary clinton lost back in um uh 2016 that, that the black lives matter searches for google in google trends they just you could just see it's it's basically to show how how much interest there is, but in the population of a certain topic, but yes. that dropped dramatically in early 2017. I turned on turned on my friend here, and I said he's an Australian. I mm. said I I wonder if this was just used to get mobilize votes. He thought it was a bit of a conspiracy. BLM went dead for all, almost three and a half years, and then if you do the Google trend search, you see. I saw it in May, and I said what's go, what's going on with all this racial agitation? And then BLM spiked again. This year, right before the election, I, I, I think we have to be careful about how how they're, they're, the people in, in power that use manipulated information are very savvy. Well, That's absolutely. That's all I wanted to share with you. No, yeah.
2: I look. I know the point you're trying to make. You're absolutely right. I mean, the news yep. cycle and the agenda and uh, and issues that are contentious between you know the divides of politics are often brought up and used in election campaigns. Now, you're absolutely hundred percent right. And it's used by both the, you know, one side of politics and the other. I don't like the terms left and right, but I mean, you used it. But uh, look, again, uh, it's not unique to America. And I think it's quite clear that it happens here in Australia as well. All right, got some breaking news in relation to COVID-19. New South Wales has recorded one new locally acquired case of COVID in the last 24 hours. That's to eight o'clock last night. Six cases were also recorded in return travellers, bringing the total number of COVID-19 cases in New South Wales since the start of the pandemic to 4,852. There were 20,664 tests reported to 8 p.m. last night. Uh, that's a big jump from the previous day's total of 14,700 tests. Now, of the seven new cases reported to 8 o'clock last night, one locally acquired case is linked to the Barala cluster and is a close contact of previously reported cases. There are now 28 associated with this cluster in Barala in Sydney. Now, six of the newbies are returned travellers, genomic testing on the case diagnosed with COVID-19 after presenting to the Mount Druitt Emergency Department on Saturday shows that this case is linked to the Barala Cluster. Investigations continue to establish how the infection could have been acquired. Now, Contacts of these cases have been tested and are all negative to date, which is good news. And of course, further contact tracing testing is underway. New South Wales Health say in a statement here to the program, they would like to thank everyone who's come forward for testing and continues to urge anybody in the state of New South Wales who even has a mild, cold or flu-like symptom, such as a cough, sore throat, headache, fever or a runny nose to isolate immediately and of course get a COVID-19 test. Uh, Welcome back now, Mark Latham. um, Look, he's never shy of being a little controversial. I'll just read you out um, a post that he's put up on social media in the last couple of moments. Who would have thought in eating coon cheese all these years we were eating black people? So now, never eat cheer cheese. It's misogyny against cheese. Sorry, cheer girls. (laughs) Goodness me. Anyway, that's Mark Latham at his finest. I think we're going to catch up with him uh, on The Breakfast Show later this week on Friday. Daryl, good morning. How are you, mate? How are you, Marcus? All right, thanks, Daz. What's on your mind? Two points. You had two
7: mics, and I've got two points to make with both of them. There was an older one, and he was talking about having a crack at the BLM movement. Yeah. Um, And I'm not – I'm white, by the way – and he was making the analogy of um, black people, uh, African-Americans driving SUVs through high-crime neighbourhoods, and that's why the police stopped them. And I thought straight away, well, that's a perfect example of racial profiling. Well, it is. So that's what I he thought. He's got no is. idea, that bloke. He's just a fool. And the other guy that was just on, the American guy, he, he was talking about how all lives matter that the alt-right goes on with. that. That's just something they use to to try to cover up their bigotry. Because whites' lives have always mattered. They don't get the point. Whereas blacks have been oppressed for centuries.
0: Well, and Their lives true. didn't matter. You yes. know, they,
7: these people just don't get it, mate, and it really gets to me. You know, and they use, uh, Now, even politicians use it like that you were talking about this morning, like that stupid Michael McCormack. And, well, he's been... Know, just yeah. really...
2: He's being backed up now. Um, A colleague of acting Prime Minister Michael McCormick has leapt to his defence. As we know, Mr McCormick came under fire after he embraced the slogan, All Lives Matter, which has been used by the far right in response to the Black Lives Matter protests. Now, Queensland National Senator Matt Canavan has come out this morning saying that Mr. McCormick was using common sense by using the phrase oh. after linking the riot in the US Capitol with the Black Lives Matter protest. So apparently he's using yeah. common sense.
7: Can I say one thing about him? Mm. Canavan. You there? Yeah, I'm, li- I'm listening. Yeah. Be nice, yes. No, I am, but people need to remember he also appears on that Sky News After Dark. So. Of course, he's going to say stuff like that. You know, right. they're, they're part of the problem. Mate. They don't, you know, like that's, you know, right. right. now everyone's got a view. But anyway,
2: <laughs> well, we've heard yeah. yours, and that's what that's the okay, open mate. lines for. Daryl, have a great day, mate. Appreciate the call. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Now, the federal government has been deliberating on the planned increase to superannuation, which is due to rise from 9.5 per cent to 12.5 per cent by 2025. But the plan reforms have been met with mixed reactions from both sides of government and, of course, the three trillion dollar superannuation sector. The coalition committed to the increase during the last election, to which both Labor and the Greens in the Superfund sector agreed. They say the increase would be necessary for an adequate retirement. Uh, look, if you speak to business owners, they think 12% is, well, pie-in-the-sky stuff. They say it's not Disneyland, you know, it's pretty tough. Running a business, we're already being smashed by things like payroll tax. And a whole range of other taxes. I mean, payroll tax, for God's sake. Only a country like Australia, the most overtaxed country on earth, only a a joint like this would, you know, almost penalise. Well, in fact, not almost would penalise employers for employing people, for God's sake. Anyway. It is a contentious issue, and of course, business owners would rather it stays exactly where it is, so the government is now negotiating a new opt-in-style plan. The Morrison government is considering giving workers the choice of either putting more money into their pockets or instead putting it into superannuation accounts. The plan hasn't been introduced into Parliament just yet, but... Government sources have apparently told the Herald the scheme might involve increasing the guarantee to 10%. Maybe business owners might be happy with the 0.5% of an increase rather than getting it all the way up to 12% by 2025. Uh, The option will then give individuals a choice whether they either put the remaining 2% in their super funds or take it home, as in take-home pay. Anyway, there'll be more on that. There'll be more negotiations. I can't see an end to this superannuation uh, situation until the next election, and I think it'll be a major issue on which we'll be voting upon. All right, quick break and back to more of your calls. 131269 is my number. All right, back to callers on 131269. If you would like to have your say, I'd love to hear from you this morning. Jim, are you there?
34: Yeah, mate, yeah.
2: Hi, Jim. Um, uh, I'd like to
34: take exception to uh, the words you expressed about the comments of the Prime Minister regarding people uh, on unemployment benefit. Uh, uh,
2: the acting Prime Minister, Michael McCormick, yes.
34: OK, okay the acting Prime Minister, yeah. Um it seems that uh, there are a lot of people that are willing to uh, to stay on uh, unemployment benefits and uh, make no effort to get a job. Um, and uh, mostly, I'm not talking about the ones that uh, have been forced into unemployment by the current COVID price, uh, crisis. But uh, you know, there are many that just simply don't want a job, and there is no thought whatsoever of moving to the country to. Uh, to pick fruit or whatever regardless of uh, how much uh, they're coerced by giving more money and so forth they just simply don't budge so uh, yeah, I, I, I agree with what he's saying and I think that All we right. look like the laughing stock of the world by him trying to coax people to come to our country to, to pick uh, crops in the rural sector when people are sitting in town on the dole and not budging
2: well that's true and look I appreciate the point you're trying to make Jim and I understand it completely uh, I I just, I suspect Mr. McCormick probably should have worded it a little different because he's opened himself up to, I think, understandable criticism. It's almost like he's thrown a blanket over everybody. Look, at the end of the day, I think if uh, there was adequate infrastructure, uh, enough social housing uh, affordable housing that is and enough incentive to go to the country I think a lot of people probably would but uh, I mean unfortunately Jim the way that our country is most people tend to stick to the bigger cities on the east coast or you know our coastal fringe um, and don't go to the country because well it's not what they know they don't have family there there's no connections there there's no support network there's a whole range of other uh, things that will lead to people not going and and also as well what we need to keep in mind jim of course that this is seasonal work i mean would you uproot your entire life to go for a job that might last three months if you're lucky you might get 20 bucks an hour if that
34: yeah. yeah, well, I've done that actually. I used to work the uh, the cane season years ago, and then go yeah. down and pick fruit in Shepparton, and uh, yep. that was that was what we did. And we we drove down there with no government assistance, and uh, quite true. often we lived in substandard quarters, and that yeah uh, to make that twenty bucks a week, but uh, mm. twenty bucks say a bag of pears, yeah, whatever sure. the case was at the time. Sure, but. Uh, Like, I I think a person faced with perhaps losing uh, their house or whatever or something like that, they surely uh, could do better for themselves by working rather than uh, waiting for the government to to fork out and get them out of trouble Well, that's very
2: true, but let's be honest, Jim. Do you think uh, the people who, uh, you know, these so-called dole-bludgers, for want of a better word, they wouldn't own homes, mate? So... Uh, absolutely, I agree with you. If, you're, if you've are if you got a mortgage, uh, then you will do absolutely any job. Um,
34: you're, you're right there.
2: Yeah, that's true, mate. All right, well, thank you for the call, Jim. You have a wonderful day, and I appreciate you touching base.
34: No problem. Take Bye. care,
2: mate. Bye-bye. Marie, good
18: morning. Good morning, Marcus, and to all the listeners out there. Um, look, nobody's indispensable. I'm an old bird, and it's a long time since I did history, but I'm sure somewhere it said... Rome, was it Nero that played the violin while Rome burnt?
2: Uh, Someone fiddled while Rome burnt, yes.
18: That's right. Well, while all this hate speech is going on... um Who's out there that can stop it? Have we got to put up with it? How long do we put up with it for? Colonial white invasion. Who's rewriting history? Isn't it time we all got on together and just got on with it? If $40 is given to the Indigenous people to improve their lifestyle, don't blame the Indigenous people that aren't getting any of that. Have a look at the people presenting that, handling the money, and asking them, why are some of them still left behind? I've got an Indigenous grandson, and he's not grandstanding, saying, Nan, you stole my land everybody wanted to block a land and you borrowed from the bank and you bought it. it wasn't around the street waiting for you the same as the home and we've got to get on with each other and stop it and and the ABC I'd love you to um, interview Ida Butterose because those songs hate songs too they've got to stop it's not doing anything to bring people together Marcus
2: all right Marie thank you very much I'd love to speak to Ida as well um, well and truly I would um, I'd ask her quite a few questions all right, thank you, appreciate it. Gary, uh, will you be eating coon cheese, or oh, sorry, uh, what's it called, cheers these days? Um, cheers, Gaz. Marcus, cheers. Cheers,
15: cheers, Gaz. Cheers. Hey, mate, I'm just
35: wondering, what are we going to do with all the atlases now? In, uh, in Australia, we've got about 25
7: towns that to start with that name.
2: Yeah, well, that's true. So, uh, what we got to change all those? <laughs> no, of course not. Uh, well, I mean, it's crazy. Yeah.
35: this—I mean, the man was American to start with. I know,
2: I know. I look—it's a—they're a private company. They can do yeah. what the hell they like, and if if people if you're that upset by it, then donate. Cheers.
35: And, a, and another thing, Marcus. Look, mm. I've been to two well, two communities in Australia that are Aboriginal run, and yeah. um, both are called Arakoon. Well, there you go, our raccoon. You know, and they've got no problem with it, mate. I think people have just got to be stopped being snowflakes and precious. Mm. And let's get on with it, mate. Like, we've got much more to worry about than this rubbish and that literary
2: crap. All right, mate. Well said. Um, (laughs) I agree. Uh, Let's talk about the real issues that matter, like aged care, in my opinion. Janet, good morning. How are you?
33: I'm fine, thank you. How are you today?
2: Well, sweetheart, what did you want to say?
33: Um just a couple of points. with the, with the um, data that you're quoting, the, um, does that break down to a percentage of what is caused what what is perpetrated by workers against the actual residents in the in the facilities? Uh,
2: you're talking about the um, um,
33: the the assaults that occur in the aged yes. care facilities.
2: I haven't does that, does it, I haven't broken it down completely, but I can, and I can probably do that tomorrow. Uh, look, the, yeah, the statistics. So the reason
33: I the yeah. reason I mention that is is that a lot of people who have dementia, depending on the type of dementia they have, do actually have tendencies for um, for violence. They they do have that as part of the dementia, and and it was just an interesting thing to know how much were the workers and how much were the actual residents um per- perpetrating these um assaults basically. And I was just sort of interest- yeah,
2: interested. Yeah, no, I, I completely that. understand. Yeah. Uh I uh, I and look it would be extremely difficult. Um, and uh, my uh, my sincere and utmost respect goes out to aged care uh, staff who are dealing with people struggling with dementia and those who can perhaps become violent. It would be a very difficult occupation, um, but they still need to be trained accordingly. Uh, my concern, to be honest, is more with the... Uh, uh, well, I mean, it's all concerning, but regardless of whether anybody is um, difficult as a dementia patient, nobody deserves to be sexually assaulted, and that's probably one of the the most damning findings of this report.
33: Yes, I Ab- absolutely agree with you yeah. on that. And, and that's also something else that does occur, is that some residents do actually have those assaults on them by other residents as well. So it it was just an interesting... I would have been liked to know the breakdown of them. The other thing I just wanted to mention in the aged care is that um, I know going back a ways, somebody mentioned that one of their loved ones had to wait for half an hour to go to the toilet and that. The ratio of workers to residents is so low that sometimes you can't get from one to another within that 30-minute time frame.
2: So no, it, well, that's right. I can recall last year um, when I took calls on this very issue, um, I had one aged care worker in tears saying, Marcus, I oh, I feel desperately um, sad. I don't get the time. They give me 20-odd minutes to do this, 20 minutes yeah. in order to, yeah. you know, to uh, to wash, change and feed uh-huh. uh Half a dozen um, okay. residents in a, okay. an aged care home. I mean, that's just ridiculous. They need greater support, and it needs to start at the top. Thank you for the call.
1: From Tari to the Tweed. You're listening to Marcus Paul. Call Marcus now,
2: 13 12 69. All right, I think this is the third time we're going to try this, Lyle. Are you there? Good morning, mate. Oh, there you are, Lyle. How are you?
7: I'm very good Excellent. You do, listen, mm. you're, doing a you're doing a wonderful job there, right? Thanks, a Now, I want, to te- I want to tell you something about this cheese, right?
2: Yes, cheers.
7: Because I'm, I'm allowed to speak on the cheese because I am Aboriginal, right? Okay. I, I don't care what they call it. It's still beautiful, right? Mm, it's lovely. And, uh, you know, being an Indigenous pe- person like I am, mate, like I told the other announcers, mate, I, I may be black, I don't care, you're white, You all bleed red, right? You can't get away from that.
2: That's very true. Very true, Lyle. Thank you for the call, mate. I do appreciate it. Quick break, and we're back with more of your calls. And I've got a stack of emails that I'm going to try and get through before the end of the program as well. Come up the dial and give us a trial. Marcus Paul in the morning. All right, welcome back. Um, Before I go to Graham. I've uh, just got a couple of emails coming through. MP in the morning at 2 Supernetwork.com. Dennis says, Marcus, in defence of the then Labor government who instigated pink bat insulation, I wish to clarify something an earlier caller said. The problem was the companies who had the contracts to install the pink bats then subcontracted them out to expand inexperienced people who were not trained, especially who did not understand occupational health and safety. This resulted in four deaths. Now, what about culpability regarding Scott Morrison over more than 2,000 deaths in relation to robo-debt? ScoMo was treasurer under Malcolm Turnbull, and they automated the mail-out of hundreds of thousands of letters telling unsuspected people that they had owed the government money. Look, we know what it's all about, robo-debt, but still, Uh, These two were told that it may well be illegal, yet they went ahead with it. Why is Scott Morrison not held accountable? Dennis. Well, that's a, you know, yes, that's a good debate to be had. Caleb, good morning to you. Caleb up there on the Gold Coast. Caleb said when you get taxed $300 a week and it goes to a bloke on Centrelink, you should get a little flyer in the mail updating you on how he's travelling, like when you sponsor a kid on World Vision. Hope you're well. Thank you, Caleb. Even though you want to call yourself Larry from Doonside, I know where you're from. Caleb, you're up there on the Gold Coast, you lucky fella. Uh, Craig, regarding Daryl. Good morning, Marcus. You just had good old Daryl on, peddling his left-wing rubbish. Oh, do we need to go with the whole left-right thing? I'm going to do an explainer on this one day that hopefully will stop us using these terms. But anyway... um Okay, you don't like the fact that Daryl calls, or Daryl is not happy with Sky After Dark? Good old Daryl obviously gets all his information from the ABC, <laughs> says Craig. And if he calls Sky, Sky After Dark, then he should realise that the ABC is ABC 24-7. Kind regards, Craig. <laughs> ah Well, it is called Sky After Dark, isn't it? That's what they refer to their programming as. And Greg says, Marcus, regarding fruit picking, where do you think most of the crop pickers for Southern California come from? Mexico? (laughs) Australia is no different to most other countries. Uh, So says Greg. Hello, Graham. Are you there, mate? Yeah, I am. Thanks, Marcus. Um, I'm not sure how you know if the how the workers' comp work system works.
39: Icare um, uh, are responsible for the insurance companies who look after the particular clients who've been injured by work workers' uh, uh, injuries. Yes, I, I I had from L L one down to S one all smashed. I fell seven metres on my backside. Goodness. And and smashed the whole bloody lot. I'm lucky I'm walking now. The the the, um, the insurance company send you off to doctors to, to get reports to see if you're capable of working or whatever. So the insurance company's being directed by care obviously to do shop, doctor shopping. They'll bring doctors in, um, and obviously with a bit of a kickback. I'm not sure how it's done, either by fly-by points or something like that. Mm. And they get the reports they want.
2: Yeah, well, that's what uh, I was discussing earlier um, in the uh, in the interview that I had. I mean, that was one of the allegations and one of uh, the proven things that was happening in the um, uh, the report that was done at arm's length, the independent report into eye care. Yes, there's yep. a lot of now, dodginess going on with doctors. Can I can I make my state? Uh, one particular insurance company
39: flew this particular doctor down from Brisbane. For my own um, uh, assessment, this doctor t- turned around and he said, no, this bloke doesn't need surgery, but all my discs were popped out and the uh, S1, honestly, oh. you know, the sacroiliac was all smashed. No, he doesn't need surgery. It's not going to benefit from it at all. But this doctor had been on Medicare fraud, uh, fraud charges. He had been on the death, miscellaneous death of, a, of a one of his patients. He just let die, didn't, didn't even worry about what she wanted. Um, and it's well documented on the internet. Yeah. Um, and this is the sort of doctor they're getting. Another doctor who also said I didn't need surgery, he'd, um, he actually went to, uh, had to be in court for, uh, um, you know, slagging off other doctors.
17: Right. I can't
35: think of the word, that what they,
39: what they use it for now. But, yeah, so this is the sort of doctor's.
2: That they are getting to do these reports. Yes, not all. all I- yeah, okay. Not not all reports, but of course that's. Uh, well, you're right. Uh, I mean, you're giving me some uh, your own personal experience, which mm. really backs up the claims that have been made by Daniel. M- well, n- in fact, no, not the claims made by the state opposition. I mean, some of the, the uh, actual facts that have been proven in the independent report into care The whole thing's a bloody mess. <sighs> But they need to spend what eight hundred and ninety odd thousand dollars, nearly three hundred grand a month. So eight hundred and ninety odd thousand dollars over three months. They need to provide, uh, you know, that kind of coin to price Waterhouse Coopers just to tell them that they've done a bad job. <laughs> I'm glad I'm not insured by care. You there, Matt? Yeah, hey, Mark's here, young. All right, Matt. What's on your mind, bud? Oh, mate, just a quick
31: one. I just, um I would like it if you and hopefully then uh, people moving forward would just stop using the word ScoMo. Um oh, what? Why? I feel like it just keeps playing into his marketing campaign oh, and his okay. name and the daggy dad. I feel like mm-hmm. if people can stop doing that and just call him Scott or Scott Morrison or whatever, I think that, yeah, he's definitely named that to try and just appeal to people and it sounds like a fun nickname and he's a cool guy, but... I mean, most of the things he does aren't really that cool or helpful or nice to the majority of the population. So I think that, yeah, if we can change people's uh, views, I think that might help in the long run of just making the the country maybe a better place.
2: All right, I'll try and stop referring to him as um, ScoMo. That'll be the last time I do it, at least for today anyway, mate. Thank you. (laughs) All right, New South Wales's Deputy Premier, John Barillaro, has done a backflip. I mean, I scored this thing an 8 out of 10. He now says sections of the Kosciuszko National Park should be free of feral horses, and overall numbers should be cut to as low as 600, a dramatic shift from his previous positions. Look, there's been a recount, they tell us, uh, and at this stage... There's around 14,000, according to the latest Scout Environment Minister, Matt in New South Wales, says the drop-off in numbers from, uh, from 19,000 to 14,000 is most likely due to the effects of bushfire and drought. Look, there was an allegation made uh, just yesterday, in fact, on social media by a bloke who I believe thought he had the Deputy Premier's support, John Barilaro, um, Peter Cochran, here's what Peter Cochran had to say uh, yesterday. He's a former Nationals member in New South Wales. He has a vested interest. He runs a a trail of horseback riding throughout the Kosciuszko National Park, and he wants the Brumbies protected. I
40: mean, it's in contravention of almost every uh, convention in relation to humanity than you can imagine. I mean, it's it's baseless cruelty. And uh, if it's true that they are using urea salt to salt these horses in, and the salt needs to be tested, we believe they are. The horse is actually dead on the salt lick. And this is a salt lick created in order to attract horses into a place where they can trap them. It is a place that's been used by the National Parks and Wildlife Service to trap horses in the past. Uh, the horse was dead right on the site, right on the salt. So it wasn't as though it was uh, some misadventure in some other place. And uh, it's almost conclusive evidence to us that they are using urea salt. And whether this is accidental or not, and I suspect it's not, uh, then there there needs to be action. I'd be asking where the hell is Matt Keane? And and Peter Garrett apparently recently endorsed the actions of the Invasive Species Council in their action up here. And I'd I'd call on the Minister uh, now to... Conduct an immediate investigation, and we need some independent uh, investigators to be part of that to conclude whether or not there's urea salt being used, whether this is a deliberate attempt by the National Parks and Wildlife Service to poison the horses, whether this is the policy of the New South Wales Liberal Party. There's a lot of questions need to be answered here, Marcus, and uh, I don't intend letting it go, I can assure you. All
2: right, that was Peter Cochran, and of course we like to cover all sides of the debate on uh, on my breakfast program. So, yes, we had a call from uh, the CEO of the Invasive Species Council, Andrew Cox. He had this to say in relation to the allegation made by Mr Cochrane that perhaps the New South Wales government are poisoning brumbies in Kosciuszko?
19: Look, I totally reject the suggestion that the National Parks and Wildlife Service in any way deliberately poison horses. There's trap sites there. They have salt licks to encourage horses to come to the site. They don't poison the horses. The traps have not been used for the last few weeks because they've, they've been shut down over school holidays. Sure. They've been trapping over the last six months. and There's hardly any horses they actually trap. Um, look, there's a growing, there's a problem in the park. There's a growing horse population. Um, thanks to Peter Cochran, there's been pretty much uh, go slow or no action at all on these growing numbers of horses. And there's over, you know, fifteen, twenty thousand 20,000 horses in the park and they're growing. So, there, of course, there's going to be some dead foals naturally. And the fact that one was attracted to these salt licks and died there. I don't think you can blame the park
1: service on that.
2: Yeah, it's a contentious issue. Uh, one we might get our teeth into tomorrow on the program.
1: Breakfast with Marcus Paul. Call Marcus now thirteen twelve sixty nine.